Hey, welcome to Performance Anxiety, proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. This show came from the brain of past guest Jared Arto of The Vacant Lots. The idea began as a roundtable of five questions each from me and my guests, Jared and Brian McFagin from The Vacant Lots and Leah Shapiro and Peter Hayes of Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. It quickly became a lot less formal than that and a lot more conversational. We recorded for well over three hours and it was so much fun. I heard how cleverness and songwriting can backfire. I also heard that there's a possible future for Leah and Jared in writing musical scores for boxing matches. Pete loved the silent song in Pootie Tang. And Brian is rebuilding Star Wars synths. Follow all of us on social media. Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, Leah, Pete, Jared, Brian, and the Vacant Lots. Follow us at Performance ANX. Please help support these artists. Their music is great, and they've been so kind to this little podcast. I want to give them all a huge personal thank you for all the time they've given me. I won't waste any more of it, so let's get right into five questions with Jared and Brian of the Vacant Lots and Leah and Pete of BRMC. Recording, got my drink. And I'm, what are you drinking? I'm drinking this amazing stuff. It's called, uh, well, here, I'll, I'll put it up to the, I don't know if it's Ooh. background. It's Ooh. called White Dog. And my, my Very dog. cool. Did it's, you see uh, that, Pete? It's from Buffalo <laughs> Trace. Is it moonshine? Oh, you tweeted. It is. Oh, shit. Mash. Yeah, it's, all right, I'll, I'll read what it is on the back because I didn't really understand it. I love Buffalo Trace's bourbon, but cool. uh, they did, it's hard to come by. So they don't, they make it in limited batches and with the pandemic, it's even more limited than normal. So mm-hmm. here's what it says. Uh, let's see. William LaRue Weller was a distilling pioneer. He took a traditional bourbon recipe and substituted wheat where rye was normally used. This created a soft, mellow spirit perfect for sipping. Before this whiskey ever made its way to the barrel for aging, it was drunk straight off the still. It was called White Dog. White Dog Whiskey. Yeah, this raw distillate was clear, unaged, and hinted of wheat and sweet corn. Enjoy this wheat recipe, White Dog, the way William LaRue Weller and early Americans did more than a century ago. Nice. I'm going to put that in the show, so maybe I can get a sponsorship out of them or something. Get us all a bottle, man. Oh, dude, if I can find it, I will gladly ship you guys a bottle. Cool. That sounds I can, good. But I got to find it first. I've only had a couple because it's it's just, it's limited batch stuff. So, And it's a 50% or 57% alcohol by volume, so it's 114 wow, proof. <laughs> Happy hour. <laughs> yeah. yeah, hey, it's 3 o'clock here <laughs> fucking closing up nice I, I gotta find a place to put my bottle <laughs> I sound like such an alcoholic right now damn god I gotta find a place to put my bottle oh man <laughs> well I'm I'm thrilled we have, do we have everybody Brian are you on yeah, yeah alright yeah. cool Brian's can you hear one. us okay uh, yeah yeah, I, yeah. I'm just cool. trying to get used to like uh, your voices telling you guys apart. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm so I know. Sorry. Oh God! Well, I, I'm the uh, nasally Wait. annoying one. So this is Je- so this is Jared. Hi. Yeah, hey, I recognize test, your test. voice. It's cool. like 
Mark, I can see you, so yeah. I know when you're talking. Brian, say <laughs> I, hello to me quickly. Hey, I can pitch up a little bit too if it's going to be easy. Put some auto tune on Give me a. Oh, I'll just go fit the book. I'm so glad you said that because that's going to be one of my. That's kind of relates to one of the questions I have for you guys. So. All right, so this this show, I, I wanted to do something like this for a long time. I've got a freaking fly buzzing around me that's annoying the piss out of me. So if you see me like waving around, it's not because I'm having a seizure or anything. I'm trying to get rid of a fly. Fair enough. All right, so this this show, I've, I've been wanting to do something like this. First of all, I was really thrilled to have Vacant Lots on. Leah, thank you for, for setting helping me set that one up. And of course. I've been really trying to figure out a way to to get uh, Leah and, and Pete back on the show and, and just find something that, that interested you guys because I really, seriously, honestly, it was one of my favorite shows I've ever done and one of the most popular ones that uh, you know, I've been doing this for almost 150 episodes now and it's still one of the most popular ones that I've, I've released. So I'm always looking to have people who other people like to listen to back on the show so that's like people want to listen to oh it, yeah, that's so weird seriously it was it was a it was a really fun show for me and, and i got a lot of lot of lot of feedback on it i've i've gotten the most oh. feedback on that one and uh michael girard and mark lanigan those are the top three nice so cool and we can ruin that real quick <laughs> <laughs> So the whole point of this show is that I wanted to do something a little different and I like the idea, and this is actually Jared's idea of just throwing out five questions to each of us, to, you know, to whoever you want to on this show and just five things you always wanted to know about either the other band or in general, you know, what's your opinion on such and such? Just come up with five questions and we'll throw them out and answer them. So that's basically all this show is, just five questions. So... Right. So, yeah. Peter, you sound very prepared. Me? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, no. I'm <laughs> yeah. always super prepared. <laughs> All right, so it'll be kind of an improv here. <laughs> We're just jamming. I, I, was, I was thinking. I was thinking a second ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, was, I was debating the question of. What does anybody think of the trajectory, is that the right word, of music? And I was imagining if it's going to turn into, I was, I was imagining almost a bodysuit or like or a, a room you could be in that would give you the sound pressure of being at a live show. Oh, wow. But... but it's almost like 3D headphones. Full-body headphones. Wow. Yeah. But it almost have to be a suit where you could feel the pressure. Is this coming from like your, uh, your crazy science video that you're always watching? <laughs> no, 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 no. I was going to say, this sounds so, like something from Star Trek. Like you're on the holodeck yeah. at a concert. Yeah, I was wondering, I wonder if, uh, do you think that, is that where things are going someday? You think? It's not, you mentioned that. I just saw an article with, um, I guess, Elon Musk, one of whichever company, um, is in the middle of designing some sort of headphone that you can clip onto the outside of your ear, I think is how it's supposed to work. And it's all just vibrations directly onto your skin, I think is how it's wow. supposed to work. 
Wow. Maybe a combination of that and um, those those seat covers they have for like sub uh, base yeah. So combine those two or something, you could get pretty close to it. I think. Crazy. Wow. And Brian, you remember when we saw Kraftwerk and they were wearing those like body like Spider-Man suits? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be cool. So like virtual reality meets like physical reality. Oh wow. wow. Yeah. That would be pretty wild. That would be kind of painful if you're at like a Sun O show or something. <laughs> I don't know if I'd want to do that with them. I think I'd rather you like try to go to the bathroom yeah. or something, and you're like, <laughs> I remember, I remember too close, like a stage plot for them, and they've got two smoke machines on stage that they actually mic up on either side. Jeez. <laughs> 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 so fifty-eight on either side for each of the smoke machines. Well, I remember, I remember seeing a uh, some kind of special on. I don't even remember what channel it was, but people. Some companies were actually trying to produce holodecks, like in, in Star Trek. That could be pretty cool. If you can yeah. combine those two technologies, you can actually feel it and then you almost, yeah, almost be it, in, in it. Yeah, would it really ever replace the live feeling, I guess is the question, for even for the musician and for the listener? Mm-hmm. Would it ever really get, do you think? Well... You guys can answer the part about the musicians better, but for the listener, what you would have to do, in my opinion, would be to turn your thermostat all the way up right. and then have a bun- put a bunch of chairs or, or, or mannequins right next to you so you can't really move. Strangers screaming in your face. Exactly. Next to you. Like invite all the neighbors you've never spoken to before to come over. Exactly. So whatever can make you sweaty and claustrophobic, <laughs> that would help out. <gasps> And you could like charge your like overcharge yourself for drinks. <laughs> <laughs> you go to the kitchen and it's like twenty four bucks. <laughs> for, uh, Just to walk into the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Exactly. That's I actually did a, a like a test, but I might have signed a confidentiality agreement, so. <laughs> I don't know if I'm actually allowed to talk about it, but it Nobody's was a listening. while ago. But uh, yeah, I hope so. It was this company. It seemed like they were doing something, not like a full-on suit, but it was like some audio thing, and they had these like boots, yeah. these special boots, and I think maybe a chair that you, that I was sitting in while listening to music that was doing like different kinds of vibrations. Oh, oh um, wow. So maybe someone is headed that way. I, I can't remember what they were called, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a while ago too. Well, that I helps with, this, with the lawsuit. We want, nobody yeah. will, nobody <laughs> yeah, knows what they're called. That vague, um, <laughs> I can cool. imagine the software being really cool for that. If the band had control over like setting up how it would look, in terms of the like the visual aspect, I just I get so concerned. I think Pete, you're hinting at it with like just how irreplaceable it is to be in a live in a live setting. I mean, just from a personal experience, just how much I miss that connection. I feel like although technology and um, there's just so many benefits and so many pros to using it, it's just um, there's nothing like being face to face with someone or being you know, in the real zone, um, you know, I don't mean to sound like nihilistic, but I just almost feel like, 
you know, even if they get it to a point where it's like, um, like what they were trying to do with holograms and stuff like that at concerts and, um, like, will it ever really even come close? You know, do you think? Yeah. From, I, I kind of, uh, feel sort of similar to like what you were just saying. Um, I think a lot of, a lot of the performance or just playing comes from the energy of, of everyone in the room and, the, you know, yeah. both in the audience and on stage. And then kind of... There's something with sound pressure, right? I mean, it's just that. Right. Like, there's something, there's something that's intangible that I think is a real thing. Mm-hmm. Just with bodies next to each other, like you're saying, and actual sound pressure... Yeah, like, I don't know if that could ever be. Re- well, I don't know how you that, that and right? just the actual energy of, of yeah, whatever that is. You know, what I mean, not to be yeah. hippy dippy about energy. No, nobody's true. There is something to that, though. Yeah. Right? You, know, you can't replace human contact by being with a screen and and artificial input. And you can't replace like not hearing your monitors on, <laughs> on stage and just shit. You, like, um, true. But yeah, that's all part of it. Yeah. Although know. a vibrating seat is pretty cool. Well, yeah, that ties in. Uh, Leah's got a friend that actually came up with something. Um, he's working with uh, guys that are hard of hearing or uh, completely deaf. And there's a few things out there, but yes, what was his, it was, uh, what was his um, class? He, was he did a master's, his thesis was on, uh, I'm spacing out on what the word is, uh, ta- tactile sensor oh, yeah. was, perception of music. It was interesting, wow. right? he, his find is like how much actually comes down to fingers, uh, actual touch, uh, yeah, actually having speakers for your hands to hold on to and then oh, interesting. for your chest or you know, like a lot of your a lot of your sensing of hearing, I guess, comes through your chest and your Oh yeah, amazing. Oh. <laughs> uh, we're kind of testing it all out right now for the new way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, only my seat vibration point. Yeah, I, I, so he built this sort of like a, a chair type of thing, and I put him in touch with um, my surgeon that did my brain surgery because I figured he would probably wow. have some valuable input to figure out how to, uh, like, where to place certain things and where on the body, um, wow. like, neurologically, you'll be able to pick up um more of the music so uh yeah it was really cool um that's interesting that's really that was one yeah, he, one question and we're going into some really wild stuff already <laughs> man well it's it was it's, it's all like 7.1 sound and all that and you know 10 point whatever the heck you know yeah. right. so it's all kind of interesting so it, yeah, anyway. Pete, you, uh, Pete did a piece of music for it. Um, he was actually, he was, they were supposed well, to uh, showcase it at this big, he lives in Reykjavik uh, in Iceland. Um, they were supposed to, like, uh, 
have like a, a showing of, of the chair with your music, but then the, the festival thing got canceled. Oh, wow. Which was kind of a drag. It was just noise I was doing, but it was just... No! Like, it was, like, <laughs> no. Oh my it, was, God. it was all bass, and it's like... Oh, no, cool. but you you did all that, uh, like, all the panning and stuff in your mix, which was, like... Well, it's just a way of approaching. I, I, don't know, I, I don't know if you guys approach some of your recordings like this, where you end up doubling things to get kind of a wider spectrum on, uh, if, if that makes sense. Do you guys yeah. record oh, in that way? Yeah, I remember uh, we were doing that a lot with Anton on the Exit EP. Um, to get certain effects, whether it was like tremolo or like on a guitar or doing different like stereo panning things. Yeah, you know, it's just playing the same part, but, you know, with a subtle difference here and there. Okay. If, you, if you take that into, into the world of 5.1, 7.1, whatever, then all of a sudden that doubling, you, start, you can start to get rhythms, you know, behind you in front of you, you know, in the corners and all that. It really kind of... Oh, wow. Very it's, cool. It's pretty interesting where, where the, the rhythmic bounces. I was just messing with the bass because that made the most sense as far as tactile. Mm-hmm. You know, I was trying to figure out how to get... You know, you, you ever touch the tweeters on a speaker? I was like, how do you translate that? Uh, yeah. You know, that. <laughs> super hard. Somebody, somebody just, somebody just got a PayPal. Right <laughs> Sorry, that was my BlackBerry. <laughs> All right, so I think that was a signal for another question. It's like a game show. Cool. All right, so hey, I've got one for Leah. Yes. Uh oh. <laughs> so um, I remember when we were on tour together um, in Europe. And watching night after night, you playing drums. One of the things that came to my mind um, was like the parallel between your playing style and the sound and the power and boxing. And I remember like a night or two after I had that thought, I heard what sounded like a, like a, a boxing match or something backstage. And I was kind of like following the trail and I ended up at your room and you were watching uh, Mike Tyson, like greatest hits. Oh. <laughs> and then I was like, and you were about to go on. So I didn't get to talk to you about it then, but I remember like later that night or the next day, we started to talk about boxing and just how we yeah. both love the sport. Um, which is just fucking crazy. Just the intuition from the onset. So I guess I wanted to just talk a little bit about that and just ask you, you know, do you see parallels between your playing style and boxing and just drumming in general, how you, you know, have come to love the sport um, through your kind of like percussive world? Yeah, I think, um, I suppose it depends on the boxer a little bit, but I think, God, I remember that night, I, <laughs> I think I was tired and I needed like something to give me energy. So Mike Tyson, it was, but um like there's some, some boxers, um, him being one of them. And, uh, what's, uh, what's his name? Uh, what's that? Lomachenko. Yeah. Lomachenko. Um, like the, the way they move, it's sort of, it's very smooth. It's almost like a dance. Like I can almost sort of see the music 
or hear the music that would go along to how they like how they punch, how they how they move around in the ring and I remember you and I talked about it before. It'd be really cool to to try to like compose something to like <laughs> oh, yeah. a, either a fight or a piece of a fight. But if, yeah, my I don't know if my approach to drums is a, a bit weird or if this is normal. But I, I kind of I always sort of uh, depending on the song, of course. I always sort of um, think of the drums as as like a moving body of water that kind of ebbs and flows and, and, you know, in whatever way is suitable for the, for the song. And I guess I see that similar type of thing within boxing and Interesting. I think boxing is cool, but yeah, it, it would be something that'd be so interesting to, to see if it's even doable. I've, I don't know if it, I'm, I did a very good job at explaining. No, I still want to do that record with you. That was fucking crazy. The idea of, you know, like sound scoring to boxing. Yeah. Does, does it kind of make sense though? Like the, yeah, for sure. If you think about like a moving body of water and that's sort of how I approach drums to whatever, you know, song we're writing or whatever we're playing. And and I kind of feel like the way they move and that dance, Mm-hmm. can kind of look similar yeah but, they're un- also like the geometry of like drumming and you know not just keeping time but like the kind of like rhythmic geometry that it took me a while to, when I was watching boxing to realize how much is like a strategy and how much is you know you're carving out space in the ring you know you're sizing up the opponent but you're also to throw a punch, a body shot, or a jab. I mean, everything is just like almost calculated yeah, yeah. technique. Um, and I think, I mean, Brian, you know, is a drummer too. And he's, you know, Vacant Lot started off just drums and guitars. And I remember just being so like hypnotized, you know, watching him play or, or the, the rhythm of the drum beat and how primal and primitive. Yeah. Um, it's both like a graceful, but also like very vicious approach which i mean just what pops into my head like ali or mike tyson or you know triple g it's this like yeah. graceful like you said dance i, I also associate with like ballet and then extreme like you know there's like a feminine masculine so this extreme like you know power shot like watching you know like a heavyweight fighter throw a power punch it's just like holy shit like skull crushing yeah you know, more than what like the guitar can do. I think you physically have to like just destroy the guitar. Whereas with drumming, you can just slam it down once. It's like, fuck. I love, uh, the way, uh, triple G has a way of, of, I don't know how he does it, but it never looks like he's hitting that hard when he knocks people out, but clearly Mm -hmm. he is but he just makes it look so smooth. It, it's, it's incredible. For sure. Um, yeah, I would see there's definitely a, a link there. What do they call that? They call that, uh, oh, goodness, I don't have the vocabulary. But it's when you're able to, when you're able to get the, mo- the most efficient movement with the least amount of effort, but you get the most out of it, I guess, is that that's what 
super tie in to it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, true, true. Yeah, there's a scientific term for that, but I don't know it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to. Say I, I host a fucking podcast. I, I don't. I don't. I know I don't what know it science. is, but I can't for the life of me remember it. Yeah, I was never super into golf, but a friend of mine, his dad, um, they lived kind of near a golf course in upstate New York, and I remember thinking the same thing. The way he would hit it, it felt like he was barely swinging. It would go, you know, all the way down the course, and I think it's just a game of. Yeah, just maximizing efficiency, really, and just hitting it right, just the right spot. Any of those things. Yeah, I mean, I that as well. As as a kid, and you know, in my teens, I played baseball, and that was the one thing. If you always, if you tried to crush the ball, you'd end up hitting a little, you know, ground ball and get thrown out. But if you were relaxed right. and yeah. just weren't thinking about it, weren't trying to crush the ball, you you do a much better job of of hitting the ball farther. So we right. Yeah. Okay. I don't know that, that, that's such a big thing. I've that I've always kind of had a bit of an issue with that. Like it's still something I have to be aware of. I have a habit of, of tensing up a, a bit too much and the more I tense up the more I lose fluidity and the more I lose control and I lose the, the subtleties of the feel and the flow and dynamics and the textures. It's, it's super annoying, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) all right. So right into the other day, speaking of golf, did you know that, uh, back in the day, I guess in Scotland, they used to have, it used to be just a smooth round ball and it, it wouldn't fly anywhere near as far. And the reason why they have those divots, is uh, to actually get more carry. Oh wow! Um, wow. For for air circulation. Oh, there's an aerodynamic quality to it. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, crazy. Uh, for more lift and less drag on the backside of the. Oh uh, yeah, wow! The ball itself. That's yeah, cool. I was annoyed with that because it seems like just from a momentum game, the balls are so small and so light that in order to give it any sort of ability to, to fly straight and must have something to do. I I never heard that though. I That's interesting. They were Speaking of, of golf, I found out recently. <laughs> <laughs> now that we're fine. Now they're on the subject. Now that, yeah. now that finally now, the true, I like how you guys have taken my like boxing into like the softer <laughs> what puts me to sleep on TV. The true but, the true purpose anyways. of this is to talk I actually really wanted to do a show about golf. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought it up. And it was nice talking to you guys. We'll see you uh, next week. I'll take it from here too. All right. They take apparently do not like it when you go Happy Gilmore at the driving range now. Is that right? Yeah, they, they actually have signs up now that says, do not Happy Gilmore at the driving range. So you cannot take a running start and smack the ball with a the driver. They do not like that at all. It, you know, it actually works. You can actually hit the ball a shit ton. I was going to say. It goes really far. I've seen, yeah, I've seen some <laughs> ultra-scientific YouTube videos where they, they prove that it does give you an extra couple yards. Oh, but, yeah. But the driving ranges don't like it. Cost. Yeah. They don't like it. All right. So, who's next? We got Leah or Brian. When do you guys have a question? Because I've got a few, too, but I'll, I'll let you guys go first. Because mine are not as existential as those two. <laughs> I'm still sort of tripping out, and in and in, in my head is still stuck in, in boxing. Um, <laughs> Mine too. We didn't talk enough about that shit. Yeah. <laughs> all right. um, so, all right. So, who's oh, up next? If, can we stay on boxing just for for, we for can like s- another absolutely, minute? Absolutely. Absolutely. R- round um, two. 
I wonder how how challenging it would be to find like the overall like if you were to you know do music or something the overall rhythm with all the sort of counter rhythms within it Mm. if that makes sense yeah I've been thinking about um you know that what we talked about um Mm -hmm. trying to do something like that and that's like the where my brain always gets stuck like where like how would you or where do you (laughs) to start with with getting like some sort of time or time signature ish thing to work within i don't know Um, interesting with with what was it exactly like alternating rhythms on top of each other well if you were to like write music over like uh you would tell me to dig into the records and i bet they have the stats on what the guy's heartbeat was getting into the ring holy shit wow very cool oh my god how do you know all this stuff (laughs) damn dude that's brilliant of course yeah that's cool yeah oh my god of course I don't know. Someone's got to have that kind of info. cool. Especially nowadays when we can track track all that stuff. I'm sure like baseball and basketball has statistics. There must be like the boxing equivalent. Yeah. You know, stats or something. Oh, yeah. I'm going to write that down. Yeah, write that. Also, add to the list. I know you will... We're probably gonna like battle it out for for who, but man, we've got to do something with Chocolatito Gonzalez. Yes. Um, I, f- I fucking love that guy. Watching him fight. Um, God, didn't we watch one of his fights? We yeah. Were, was that on tour when we were on tour together? I think so. We were like pulling up stuff on YouTube and. Yeah, him and, and and Lomachenko would be really interesting. Yeah, that would be cool. All right deal <laughs> okay take it away mark okay. we're ready for the next we've got it off our chest now, so. all right excellent all right so, so um i will i will help with the stats on that since i don't play music and maybe i get a little credit on, on, on album or <laughs> that's the only thing i can do i can't i can't help you out musically but maybe i can get you some saber metrics <laughs> yes please <laughs> <laughs> We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. We've got Leah, Brian, and me. Neither of, none of us has asked, asked a question yet. I don't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> Sound like somebody just fell down the stairs. And I can't oh, see. Is, that- <laughs> is everybody okay? Is that what? I didn't do anything. Did I do I, w- I was writing. Was was the mic picking that up? I think yeah, maybe it was we'll... just the friction. Oh. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> I don't know. All I heard was. <laughs> yeah, sorry. That would be me. Okay, no. Down my little um, boxing uh, notes. Sorry. Well, I'll throw out a question then, and we'll, we'll kind of go a little less existential and a little more fanboy here. Because this is, this is going to make everybody fanboys of each other here. If you guys, and this is a question for all four of you, if you guys decided to do a, like a split single or a split EP and you each covered a song by the other band, I want to know what songs you guys would choose. So, Leah, 
you, you, you take a vacant lot song and Pete, and then Brian and Jared, you each pick a, a BRMC song. What would you guys do as a split EP where you did each other's songs? Damn. Nah, I already know which one. Wait, how um, many songs would be the, you said it's an EP? You, it's an EP, so uh, you so would pick you one. Said, Brian would you pick said one. the song, right? Yes. Um, you guys had to have been expecting this question. I, uh, I was not. But <laughs> the, <laughs> the song, um, I'm sorry, I, I, can, I can't remember song names to save my life. Not even our own. Uh, but the <laughs> song that Pete played uh, Harmonicon on the last uh, tour. Yeah, Departure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I love I, that with the harp. That Monica. would be so much fun to do, uh, like a, some sort of a, a rework of that with Pete on harp. And, and well, I can't do anything other than play drums. So. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that would be killer. That was like, there's some of our favorite moments when you came on. I think just when you, you sound checked, you just improvise and kind of just everything you're doing sounded really cool. Um, it was, I think you stepped over to like the microphone and had all the delays and stuff on it too. And it just oh, wow. yeah. added an extra dimension. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn. Wait, wait, no, I remember it. Wait, I remember it. I think you were like behind the amp or something and you were like, or crouching down. Or you were, you were doing the, the harmonica and I thought I was hearing shit. And Brian looked at me like, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with the fucking monitors or whatever. <laughs> I was like, I swear I hear shit. And then I saw Pete like, behind, like, behind the curtain or something. And uh, you had the harmonica. And then you, I think you came out. It just was really cool, man. How, I love how shit like that just happens so spontaneously. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cool. There was a, I can't remember where that delay was or if that was, was that in the house? Did Nito slap a delay on or was it in the monitors because it was able to. That was on the front of the house. Yeah, it could have been when Mito stepped around to add some things over. Because I think you were, yeah, like on my side. Brian, my, my microphone channel must have been off because that was a song that you sang. I think so. Yeah, it must have been off. Yeah. Oh, man. That's would, a cool I would love that's to hear a cool that track. Stuff. Yeah. There's a cool like YouTube footage of uh, Pete playing. Um, it's actually pretty decent audio quality. I'm going to have to check that yeah. out. Anything you guys do, I'm, I'm always looking for. I'm always trying to find weird stuff. Like um, the time you guys did uh, BRMC, you guys did the uh, ride cover and you had Mark actually on, on stage with you guys. That was just, oh, that was incredible. I found that and it, so I pulled that I off. I completely destroyed that. That's a nightmare. <laughs> I thought it sounded awesome. So. I don't know what you were hearing, but I loved it. All right, so so we'll switch. Man. So we'll go back to, to the BRMC side for now. But all right, uh, Jared, is that is it, uh, so? I thought our time was up. How <laughs> about somebody picked, was shaving? Saved by the bell. <laughs> all right, so Jared, uh, what BRMC song would would you do? 
Oh man, I would love to go for something like Sympathetic Muse and oh, yes. just a song that really like, um, yeah, like a song that just changed my life and like I remember hearing, um, it's always stayed with me through the years. I would just love to do it in a way that, uh, like to reinterpret the track, you know, so it's less of like a, a remix, but more of like something closer to the way Brian and I, uh, we covered a gun club song on an EP, uh, promise me. And it's just a little different. I, I wouldn't want to touch it or cover it cause the song's so beautiful in itself. So I, I would almost feel more compelled that to so that we wouldn't butcher it to <laughs> yeah. do, do something different. Well, that's um, why I asked because I want to hear yeah. what you guys would you know the song that you would want to do in your own style. Yeah, because vacant lots have, really a, have cool. a very unique sound and it's a lot different from BRMC. So I that's that's kind of why I asked the question because I love when a, when a band takes a song and completely makes it their own. And it's, you know, it, it almost sounds like a different song. Yeah. Or Berlin. Oh, I fucking love that song. Yes. Um, either one of those two, maybe. All right. All right. So let's, let's... Or, or fucking waiting here. I've got, <laughs> those are, those are, those are three. Yeah. You know, all right. But yeah. So Pete, do you have a, do you have a vacant lot song that you'd like to contribute I to this know. EP that Ooh, might not never. I'm no good at names, and everybody hopefully is aware of that. <laughs> those songs, uh, um, but the the one. And uh, I just found the, the video footage set. from the. But there's a. There, I remember every night watching a very specific song during the set, and the way you play guitar, Jared, was uh, there was something about it that always. It was just doing this one song where it seemed like slow motion um the way you play so i'd have to go dig through like some sort of like i guess the uh interwest but you play it it was like third song i don't know don't know exactly somewhere in the set anyways there's something specific to that song where you're playing seemed like uh yeah it seemed like it was in slow motion um, the whole your, the whole approach to the way you were strumming. Um, oh, that's interesting. But, yeah, I can't I can't name the specific song. That's right. okay. I will still. But you have that. You have that. You have it in general with your playing. But there, but there was, there was one that always stand out to me. Oh, like, cool. Yeah, that would be that. That would be one I could see, just the way it laid back within the groove. Yeah. All right, man. Well, well I got to find that track. I actually, now I remember, um, if I'm not imagining this, I, I feel like you played harmonica on the second tour we did on the first tour. I could have sworn you, you came out with us and played, it might've been the last show in Germany, uh, guitar. 
on a song we have called Suicide Note. Check. I think I saw that. So forget. Yeah. Like I said, I'm not good with names. But no, there's plenty. There's a few. <laughs> as far as reinterpretation, the thing would be that would be the hard part about it, and that's what would make it cool to me. Is the uh, it's like how do you how do you get uh, how do you get that feel reinterpreted, but at the same time, uh, interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm not the same. But anyway. Right. I almost wonder, hey, Mark, yeah, I would almost just put a spin on it. And instead of like the two groups, like in isolation, remotely covering the other group's record, it would almost be, I think it would elevate it more if we just collaborated on it. That you know, so we're, would be we're all, you know, we just picked a couple of tracks and just kind of went for it. You know, even if it was sending files back that, and forth, that would be that would be all okay, right. Let's, let's do yeah. that. I don't know how we're going to do that because all you I do is host your a label, podcast. Mark, you got to set the label. <laughs> the performance anxiety you label. This idea, Pro- producer. That's the hard part with you guys is you, you you get so much out of what you know, just what you guys you get so much out of it. It's hard to. I remember doing the guitar and feeling like an idiot. Because you have plenty going on, <laughs> you know what I mean? Is that and just be getting in the way? All right. Cool thing about what you do, you know? Well, before thanks a lot. Before Pete, Brian gives me his answer. Before Brian gives me his answer, what I'll throw out there is you guys just email me some stems and I'll just put some <laughs> crap together and then I'll send it out and it'll sound like complete garbage. But just, why just not? put it on Pirate Bay. And let <laughs> <laughs> oh, Pirate Bay would love that. So. <laughs> what? Wait, what's Pirate Bay? Oh, it's, it's a... Like illegally download movies and music and stuff. Yeah, oh. all, all kinds of stuff. Where do you think I got Photoshop and Adobe Audition? <laughs> hey, don't say that shit. On the oh, radio, shit. Man. I got to edit that out. You're going to get Sorry. like Trump after you. I got it. I don't want to deprive Adobe from the money that I duly owe them. The billions that they currently have. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> right All right. So, Brian, what, what BRMC song would you like to, to do before we go on this collaborate, collaborative EP? Yeah, I was not doing really stripped down version of spread the love would be cool it's like with a heavy kind of uh, preset drum machine type of thing and just uh, just a few parts and keep it really stripped and bare and just do like an electro version of it would be really cool that's cool i like that idea
Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, so we got Leah and Brian. You guys haven't asked a question yet, so who wants to go first? Who's got a question uh, prepared? Um, you guys didn't do your homework. Oh. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was, I don't know if this is really anything, but I was um, just recently I've been stocking up on all these old drum machines. I guess Leah specifically or anybody really, if you guys have experimented much with, um, I mean, a lot of them are Simmons, but even like the big drum manufacturers back in the day, like Pearl and Tamal made these, you know, boxes that I guess you could plug pads into these days. It's probably easier to just trigger it a different way. But if you guys have experimented with those at all on demos or recordings. Um, Pete is much better at, I, I have a, a, not like an issue issue, just a patience issue with, yeah. um, with programming great. drums because um, I kind of, I don't know, I, I, uh, it's just so much easier for me to just go through the process of playing it. Totally. And I can get all the little nuances and textures and details and little swishy swashes in mm. with my playing. And it just, I was trying to um, relearn native instruments. It didn't go that well. And I was doodling <laughs> around with GarageBand. I got pretty tired of that yeah. quickly. I, um, I, yeah, it, it's like, it's something you think that maybe I, should have learned by now. I mean, I've, I've, when I is it a, one, is it a sound that you're you're a fan of, like Stereo Lab Records or something, where you've got the live drums and the electronics mixed together? Yeah, and I've I've done tons of um, God. I used to play pretty much only with bands that had a lot of backing tracks, like both Ravenettes when I was touring with them, um, and also some other more like very like uh sort of eight bit electro music I was playing for a while live. Yeah. That is really hard to play live to that or live drums to that, Jesus. Um and um and then Dead Combo as well, which uh which have you guys ever heard Dead Combo? No, I haven't. I think heard. I remember you telling me about them uh, when we were in Berlin, or someone, one of the dudes from the band came from Berlin. I just remember checking them out. It was pretty cool. Yeah, they're, they're sort of uh, like a mixture of Suicide and uh, the Stooges. But um, you got to be careful though, because if, if you search Dead Combo, sometimes you get that Brazilian band that's not uh, the the Portuguese, the Portuguese band. band. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm forgetting about that. Yeah, they used to just have like uh, their backing tracks, which is mainly just uh, like a kick drum going on like eighth notes or sixteenth notes, and then like the last thing, well. They recorded, I think. Uh, they asked me if I wanted to play drums. I was playing live drums on top of that. Um, so I, I actually kind of really love doing that. I just don't uh, enjoy the process of program. I guess it depends. Like if it was something really simple that I would have to put together, that's easy enough. For a while, I, um, I did a bunch of stuff. A lot of, lot of B-side things back in the beginning uh, would be uh, we, we had a little Alesis, I don't know what you call it like a, a drum pad uh, um, 
That's yeah, all yeah, the best feeling that. name I remember. It had what a kick snare hat. You know, you could do a kit. You could do a kit. You know, on little finger pads and uh, cool. For yeah. a while, you do a, a bunch. Um, just playing that live, if, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, not not what you, you end up uh, like doing a shaker to a click and then play. And then, you know, then do the, you know, then just do a kick pattern and do it because, and then do the, the snare separately. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Um, you guys ever end up doing stuff like that? I haven't, no. <laughs> Is that Mark? <laughs> I did that with Brian. It's like, uh, actually, it's like 80% of our song. Well, you know what I, you know what I mean, though, where instead of, instead of uh, programming that you actually play it live with the, you know, with the finger, you know what I mean? Yeah, instead of like feeding a MIDI thing into it or something. Yeah, exactly. In the pads. Yeah, and I hear yeah. Yeah, I did that with um, Nord, who makes, you know, those big red keyboards that everybody has. They have a drum machine, too, that's surprisingly great. It's I think it's got three generations, maybe. And I had the first one. I, I was living out in Portland, Oregon, and I went to the grocery store for 10 minutes. Someone busted in the back of my car and stole everything. So I, I lost oh, it. I was trying to get another mm. one. And they got really expensive because I think people finally figured out how great they sound. I probably shouldn't be talking about it while I'm still trying to buy one. But <laughs> okay, nobody listens. You gotta wait, anyway. man. That app, Mark. You gotta wait six weeks to put this out. <laughs> <laughs> That's about my uh-huh. lead time right now, anyways. Okay, cool. But uh, it had this great quality where, and some of the Simmons stuff is like this too, where it's very reactive. Um, when you are playing it on a pad, um, it really does have the added benefit of the same way obviously real drums are where depending on your dynamic, it's actually changing the sound. You're not just triggering yeah. the same sound with less. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So. Pressure sensitive. That back. Wow. What year was, were they doing that? The Nord drum, I think was yeah. probably like late nineties. It's oh, kind of that it's virtual, dig, uh, virtual analog, which is always a, a bit of a scary term, but it, it sounds really good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, Sounds like our future, but we're talking when we're first talking about uh, virtual. Uh, that was kind of a similar setup I played with uh, with Kurt with the eight bit music. It was an inverted uh, kick pedal with a trigger. Yeah. And a snare that was stuffed. Actually, we put a light in that was triggered when I hit it. So, and it was a see-through snare. Oh, cool. uh, <laughs> very, very homemade. Um, and uh, yeah, and a hi hat and a crash. So it was more or less an electronic kit ish. Mm-hmm. Did you ever come across? I mean, do you, do you ever run into where it actually sounds more real, the more layered, fake? sounds you put on if that makes sense like as a technique or a machine yeah as a technique using um, using drum machines you run across that what is it exactly it sounds more and more convincing as a real kit as you layer yeah yeah so artificial drums as you put on it the closer it sounds to something live yeah yeah I, th- I think i know what you mean i do often find especially with like snare drums i'll add a lot of different like maybe one that's just more of a white noise thing and then one that's more of a conventional snare and as you start to sum them as long as you mix it properly 
that you can really get. I think I, yeah, I see what you're saying. I guess it is more of like a realistic sound. It just feels like it has more of a natural energy than often with the drum machine on its own. It can feel a little sterile and candy. Yeah, well, yeah, you start getting a bit more depth to it, right? Totally. More, and and I find a similar thing with kicks too. It's like maybe it's maybe it's just kind of a uh, what would be the word? It's like faking. It's almost a way of faking pressure, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, I think the more I'm not explaining that right, but yeah, the more moving parts that you have for any sound and the control you can have have over each one gives it more of that dynamic feel. Because you're not thinking of it when you're playing a, you know, an actual drum because it's it's just creating the sound that it does anyway. And of course, you can put a blanket over it or do whatever, but you have to think in more discrete terms with all the synthesizer stuff and how you layer everything. But I think, yeah, like you said, by just putting a lot of things on top of each other and carefully controlling each one, you can get some pretty impressive sounds. And also like the whole, like the, like the depth and density that's lacking in synthetic music that loses the human touch. I don't know why I just thought of like Duchamp's, uh, the painting new descending a staircase where it shows like all the micro movements, almost like a film of a person going down the a pair of steps. Mm-hmm. Do you know that painting? Yes. Um, and I feel like it's, it's, uh, Marcel Duchamp's new descending a staircase. And, um, I don't know why I'm reminded, but the layered, effect where to create something more human or something more it would take more of the artificial or more of the synthetic layering to take place to kind of give it more movement or more feeling that you know you can do with one or just two you know human so the 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 more layers the the denser it gets and the more it, it starts to emulate something that's organic and not just machine you know right it's, Cause even when like, you know, going back to, you were saying about like, you know, Pete was saying about like playing the actual machine, you still get the human touch and the imperfections and like the nuances to it. What was the beginning of that question? Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was just wondering if it was something that um, you guys had used really at all for just in, de- in terms of demos or for final Oh yeah, yeah. Recordings or anything, because I've gotten with Leah too. Like I've had that same issue where you end up spending so much time just trying to get it to make any sound at all that you just give up and get back to trying to record something rather than like battle a machine. But I found with the ones I've gotten recently, like they're much better about like I guess from the early '80s before they really got down enough of the digital stuff to make all those menu divey devices um it's a lot of like knob per function like you essentially have a bunch of synthesizer modules where they're not really as realistic sounding obviously but it's more that like 70s laser gun type of um like oscillator voice more than anything and you can pitch it to be like a an 808 kind of drum or a a sound but it's really more based in mixing like basic sound waves rather than a recording of a symbol that keeps getting hit you know it's it's more dynamic and i find with those types of circuits too obviously because it's analog you can repeat it with eight eighth notes or whatever and even by keeping the knobs all where they are every time it re-triggers it's giving you a slightly different sound and cool stuff Ah. phasing and stuff so yeah i don't know it just it can be an interesting tool i think those ones where it's all laid out with one knob per function rather than having to 
get around through menus ends up being a lot easier to work with for sure. Uh, I see what you're getting at. Yeah. I found with like, the native instruments thing, it took me forever to realize that the touch sensitivity mm. is so sensitive and, and, you know, well, you know, when you just kind of get used to hitting it, like, yeah, when it re-triggers itself, yeah. that's, that's where the weirdness kind of comes in and then, and then trying to dodge that. So I see what you're getting at, that, like the older school stuff, that re-trigger just on an eighth note doesn't sound so fake from the, the gear you're talking about. Wait, would yeah. that be like more like, what's it called, like step mode? programming or am I like what it's um it's less it's less about the programming itself and more about just the, the basic architecture of one versus the other like with a, a lot of the digital stuff now they've started to implement um with better and better accuracy well what's ironic is what becomes more accurate is how inaccurate it is because people like the way those old machines are kind of unpredictable and technology for confusing your computer into essentially fucking up in very controlled ways has gotten better and better. But what's cool about those old machines is just by playing it over and over again, you're not actually recalling the same MP3 hidden some hard drive somewhere. It's like actually recreating a voltage in a, in a slightly different way every time. So I don't know. I just hear it. It, it, it can be more intriguing, even if it's a sound as basic as just like a, a noise, you know, like a little, uh, noise wave through an envelope or something it just can be more lively yeah exactly i know exactly what you're talking about and that would, that's what i mean by the the way i would i would get around those my only trick for getting around that sound was that layering thing i was talking about totally yeah Where, yeah, yeah that's what you're getting at yeah hey yeah. I yeah. I you totally start. don't understand any of that, but uh, <laughs> um, oh, I'm not the only one. I I'd be super uh, into like if you could, whether it's online or in person, um, show me how like how you approach that stuff because I still, even though I haven't had that much luck yet, um, yeah, I it would it would be cool if I could find something that I could work with so I don't necessarily have to uh, be near my drums all the time and, totally. and and so far I just haven't you know maybe I haven't put much, enough time into it yet but it, well, rest I, assured I put way more time into it than <laughs> ever like, if I knew going into it I would have never even tried but the benefit of that is I could tell you pretty much any avenue you go down what it would take and the gear involved so yeah, I would love to <laughs> chat about that at some point, but there are, yeah, tons of different options. And at this point, all of them are, are fairly accessible in terms of like, especially with all this old analog stuff coming in vogue again, a lot of manufacturers are making stuff that works in the same way, but is more dependable. So like if you're doing a live show, you probably don't want to be depending on a drum machine that's 50 years old to be yeah. working like it's supposed to work. So there's a lot of good middle ground where you can mix the more dependable like modern stuff with the sound and variation that you get with old stuff so yeah we could definitely deep dive that because it's a deep yeah at some point for sure what about uh stuff like not wanting to be locked into um a, a, a yeah 
engagement live and also tempo. Totally. Is this, this going to count as your that, question, Leah? <laughs> um, <laughs> that, I, that's up to you. <laughs> hey, I've got a, I've got a, a question um, for Pete, if that's okay. Yeah, sure. Cool. So I was kind of thinking about this the other day, just about how, like, you know, with everything that's going on in America and in the world right now, and I was thinking, I found this um, American flag I used to have when I was growing up. Wait, what, what's going on? Wait, what? <laughs> can, can, yeah, right. Nothing. Nothing's going on. Everything's great. Yeah. And when I think of, like, American music or American bands, some of the the bands that come to mind, like James Brown or Creedence Clearwater Revival and the MC5, I also think of BRMC. And with, and I feel like in so much of the records or in some of the songs, there is like a focus on, I don't know if I would say like revolution or revolutionary or reaction to some of the things that have happened in our society in America. Um, so with all like the shit that's going on now, um, the chaos and the, the climate politically and in society, do you, do you feel compelled? Does it drive you or give you a desire to, um, want to make a new BRMC record? Oh, wow, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, we've been good at, at talking bullshit here for a second. Um, <laughs> I, serious. we haven't gone um, too deep yet. Yeah. Yeah. We've been dodging these topics, but, um, <laughs> No, fair play. Um, no, no, actually, if I'm being honest, sure. I, I don't, um, I don't, let's see how I put it. Um, it's not a, it's not about uh, not having mm, an opinion, mm -hmm. um, but Let's see, I, I, I never approach, I, I would never approach any song with looking for an outcome. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you know what I mean, I, I, I the, you have to, I, I kind of come at it where I have to live life. Right. See what's going on. And then if songs come out of that, then lucky us lucky me like, right okay holy shit a song came so you, you, your music I, is, is more created by what's going on rather than trying to create a change well no i'm i'm a no i don't know i'm not really explaining it right i'm a, I'm a i guess i'm a kind of a believer in you have to live what you write a bit Okay. And you have to at least be able to internalize and connect with what you with what's what you write. Okay. Um is it sorry, go ahead. No, I didn't want to cut you off if you were continuing. Um I was just gonna ask if does does it always have to come how to phrase this? Would it sometimes be the case where you would write and it would happen? after i feel like for me sometimes i've written shit and i haven't necessarily lived it but i end up living it yeah yeah for sure it's uh, even though it, 
you can write about things that have happened to you that are experience-based. I've also found myself, and I think that's what sometimes scares me about writing is not just that it can be very painful, but that I sometimes end up saying shit that I end up doing. Yeah, that's that's a weird one, right? That, that one <laughs> strange. I, I never quite understand that. I can. My only explanation for that one is is kind of like your is is your subconscious actually being a being more mature than your conscious self. Totally. And you're not, and you you really have lived that, and that's right. where the writing's coming from. Yeah, and then you and then you see yourself experiencing it and going, "Oh my God! Oh, oh how did I wait? I I didn't think I'd lived that. Where did that come from?" Exactly. But time has gone by, and then you see yourself living it. But you're but it took it takes that time to actually be aware of yourself enough. But if that, that's really convoluted. I don't know. No, that no I'm fine. <laughs> no, I'm following you hundred percent. I also. I think kind of linking into all this, it made me think a little bit, you know, going back to like the question about, I think until recently, like, Oh, some of the bands I named James Brown, MC five, you know, it was very reactionary to the times. I almost felt like, you know, Vietnam or certain moments in our country's history in the world's history, there was more like a reaction. Their music was a reaction to some of the things that were going on in society. And, and honestly, until recently, so much of, at least I think, you know, in, in vacant lots, me, music and writing came internally, like came from me and Brian and our ideas, our exchange of ideas and our experiences and our fantasies. And then it was just like, I mean, I, yeah, now I remember I was at the Black Rebel Motorcycle Club show in New York when fucking Trump won the presidency. And I think for me, that's just when everything became like externally, things became externally vivid and started to influence the writing a lot more than I've ever maybe wanted to. Like I didn't, if things were political or religious, I wanted to attack it through poetry or through painting, but not through lyric writing until recently i almost felt like something just like went off in my brain yeah. just to just kick the doors down to say like i fucking like enough's enough like you can't just stay silent and yeah yeah, yeah. and it almost and i get but i get fueled through a lot of brmc songs in the same way i do with like ccr especially live it's just this very like inspired you know i've got the revolution with me and i just wondered if if externally have things have pushed you to a place of, you know, that you feel the need to react, but it seems like you're more driven or inspired by things that occur internally or have to happen more naturally for you. Um, that's, it's, um, well, this is, uh, well, first that's nice of you to compare us with these other bands that are really great. You know, that's, um, I, I, yeah, I'm dri driven. I've been pissed off since, you know, since the nineties for all of it. <laughs> oh, all me too. Stuff, you know? I mean, it's, <laughs> I don't see, you know, it's, and that's, so that's the sad thing about, about it. Yeah. And so, and we, and I'm sure we all have, right. And so, and different, mm -hmm. Different Definitely. windows, different windows open up at different times. 
And I can hear that in the, well, I don't know, when did you write the single that came out? Uh, when is the, uh, the one that's up on YouTube? Is that Rescue? What's that one? Yeah, Rescue. I mean, honestly. When was that one? So we wrote that, like, so before the pandemic, it was last year. And, I mean, the record was done right it was mixed and mastered like right around like thanksgiving christmas time last year so before any of this shit happened um but um but i i I, something that really kind of cracked like my i don't know if it's cracked my shell or just pushed me a little further to get more into the like arena of writing about things that are maybe controversial or a little taboo because politics or or it's just something, no matter how you articulate or slice it up, you're going to piss off and offend a number of people. And it's sort of like, I'm not really afraid of that, but I also don't want to be misunderstood. I think just by writing in general, you're going to be misunderstood to some degree. Um, yeah. But I felt like the Manchester bombings and the Paris bombings, especially at a, ven- at a music venue, really hit me. Like I knew people that were there and... You know, and I just feel like, you know, all the wars and all the school shootings in America, it just kind of drove me to this point of just like, man, I just can't fucking like stay silent anymore. I remember I wrote this poem and I just kept writing like another school shooting in the USA and it just like sold up three pages, almost like that scene in The Shining where he's, you know. Yeah, yeah. But it, it was it was less to do with I'm crazy for doing this or is it like crazy that this shit kind of keeps happening and and it really upsets me. And I just think with Trump winning kind of put me over the edge of that's just like experimenting is really worthwhile. But I think that's like you, you're fucking off the cliff of the cliff of experimenting with like the, with having some fucking asshole like that be president. And, uh, yeah, I'm with you. Um, I'm with you on that. Those doors of writing, I guess my, I don't know if it's a, a safety precaution on my own behalf and I haven't, because yeah, being misunderstood is, well, writing something that's poignant to the point and very, uh, what's the word, uh, uh, very in the moment. Mm-hmm. To me, to me, there's that's where I, I get kind of spooked. But at the same time, we're living in what we live in. Yeah. Ah, God, I'm getting lost in this one. My, <laughs> my, my brain starts racing. I'm sorry. My brain starts racing because I, I want to say it all. Yeah. Of course, you know, and how do you say it? That's where live music comes in because, you know, um, there you go. go back For to me, the first question. The aggression. Because <laughs> you can get the aggression out where right. that people don't understand, you know. I mean, right. um, even if, you know, a, a simple song somebody might think is, you know, oh, that's a lovely song about, you know, heartbreak or something. Mm-hmm. That's also a way, for, I don't know about you guys, but you can get some serious fucking aggression out. You know, you know, you know, for speaking of the times in the moment, you know, sadness of what's going on, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden that that song that was never about love anyways, but could be interpreted that way. Sure. um, 
you know, starts to you be able to start living it in another way. Sorry, I twisted that. <laughs> no, I, li- I like that because it, it kind of brought us back to that. Like, um, I'm still kind of hung up too. I'm listening to everything that's being said, but the other half of my brain is kind of really fascinated by like, you know, does action come before or after the writing, you know? And I've like, and kind of like on that whole theme, I don't know if this is getting too deep. I mean, but this is kind of <laughs> what I, th- I like, I don't know if Mark's on his fifth drink or not, but um, I am so you? wasted. Okay. Yeah. I figured. <laughs> um, but like, you know, just what drives songs and what drives music and kind of, I remember talking to Leah just about, you know, before we released this record, I mean, it was scheduled to come out when it came out, which is around the time, you know, a couple months ago, where a lot of things that were happening in the world that are extremely important, I, you know, more important than a band trying to promote itself to sell something. But, you know, Leah helped us realize how music, you know, like medicine or something that can cure the soul or help people in dark times. Um, so it kind of gave us like this momentum to still release inner zone. Um, even when so much of the writing was, you know, written before, I mean, we almost called the record isolation, I think, because it was just certain themes that we write about. Uh, it seemed to reflect it fairly well, but I think, you know, so much of what was happening in America really kind of inspired us to kind of just push a little bit further. And it wasn't until this record where external things, you know, kind of merged with internal things and it became, you know, really dominated the record in a way. Well, I have a question for you guys. Bringing this all back almost to Pete's first quest, first, I guess, question, would you be able to have that release if you're not in a live setting, if you're doing shows virtually with you know the the entire spacesuit that that Pete designed um, <laughs> for the to do a virtual concert. Would you be yeah. able to get the same release if you're doing it on your own and without a, a live crowd in front of you? No, um, it's to an extent. Um, I've well, we just got back to LA. We've been out of town for a bit, so I didn't have access to my drums, but. Um, as soon as I got back here, I went straight to the studio. And honestly, it, especially the first couple of days, uh, it was kind of, a, it felt like a bit of an exorcism getting back into the, behind the drums Not to bad. play. So there's an element of it that feels the same in the sense that, at least for me, it, 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 temporarily shuts down all the like 50 different voices that are arguing in my head (laughs) over things that I'm frustrated about, you know, everything that's going on or, you know, just crap. So it, it still has that medicinal purpose for me, even if I'm just going in completely alone Mm -hmm. doing whatever um I don't, I don't necessarily have to be playing the song i can just be trancing out to like the most basic drumming ever but it does help in that way okay. for me 
Um, I don't know about, I haven't done any of the, the virtual concerts. Um, I think it's, I've, um, have you guys done those? I haven't. Uh, I've seen a few, but I haven't actually performed one myself. We we did one, Brian. Was it the Fuzz Club thing? The Fuzz Club, yeah. yeah. The, the online festival they did. Yeah. Oh wait, what was that called? I think I did. Uh, I saw that one. Did you see that? Yeah, we did. It was the first time we had to like degrade audio. It was like a psychedelic <laughs> one, and and a bunch of people played like uh, two songs or something like that. Two yeah, exactly. Songs. Yeah, that one was really cool. Um, I, I really like that one. The the ones that I feel a bit iffy about are the um, the ones that you know that are sort of approach as approached as though it's it's live and right people and it just becomes very theatrical and showmanship and I, I just to me the becomes less about the music and more about something else when i see that kind of stuff but that one that you guys said I, I thought that was really cool yeah they did a good job i also i get so fucking freaked out over like doing a live shit and just imagining like people in their fucking pajamas like <laughs> listening and watching i, I like i that lose concentration yeah like lose concentration wow. like can you imagine like playing in a crowd and it's just like people in their fucking pajamas and stuff i don't know it's like so hard to wrap my head around wasn't wasn't that something that they always told you to get over your fear of public speaking by imagining people in their underwear yeah but (laughs) or or you're no but for me it was like i don't know i don't know (laughs) i was okay with being the naked one but just other people being i got freaked out you know I don't know. Weird performance art shit. Hey, weird uh, performance anxiety. But if like other people were in pajamas and stuff at a show, I would be very confused. Well, so that's like what goes through my head I when we're doing shit. Look, if I was at the 930 Club and you guys were playing and everybody in the audience was in their pajamas, I'd probably be a little concerned myself. So Yeah. I think that's what everyone was doing when we just did the show at, with the Dandy Warhols. It was a big... Uh, Pajama party. No, I'm just fucking around. <laughs> um, All right. I don't mind that much. You I can't see anything anyway when I'm playing. When you're on stage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So that, that was pretty much round one. So that's like oh. an hour and a half into round one. Oh, <laughs> oh cool. All right. So let's, let's, uh, I'm going to lighten this up a little bit because I want to, oh. I'm going to start off the second round with a question and then you guys can all jump in. Whoever wants to answer this, feel free to jump in. Besides your bandmates, what's something that you can't go on tour without? Like a a favorite piece of gear, lucky underwear, favorite book? You know, what is something you, you can't tour without? Um, okay, I got this one. This is pretty <laughs> gross. Um, Besides I Pete. have a weird thing with stage clothing not in the typical sense of like i need like a giant wardrobe it's just once i've broken in a t-shirt and a pair of jeans and i've had a good show i truly believe that there's good like mojo or something in my disgusting clothes so i wear it (laughs) show okay um and i try to avoid washing it 
Oh, wow. It goes to that extreme. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just the favorite clothes. It's it's the whole essence within it's, the clothes themselves. Uh, it gets pretty rough towards the end. I mean, sometimes <laughs> I, I break and I, or other people force me to do laundry. <laughs> do laundry. That's... <laughs> a weird, um, not very charming um, superstition. <laughs> That's cool. I like that. Is it yeah. though? <laughs> I mean, not not for everyone else around you, but definitely like individually speaking. That's for those awesome. for those of us outside the cone of, of scent, we're all. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. So no one should ever hug me or, or touch me. <laughs> Well, next encounter me. So, good luck with that. Next time you guys come to DC, no, I'm gonna stay the fuck away from me. All right, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Brian, would, do you have anything that you you can't tour without? I mean, I usually bring a, a permission slip from my parole officer. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a, that's that's Sign vital. Now, I bring like 15, honestly, like 15 iPod cables probably, and I'm down to single digits, low single digits by the end of it because. Barring my shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's usually a game of I do a final check of the room, and then Jared does three or four more to make sure <laughs> everything has <laughs> been retrieved. I'm a master of leaving things in all sorts of crevices. So, yeah, I would say I would say three of all essential things is what I'm bringing just to prepare for something getting lost. All right. Smart. All right, Pete, what about you? Do you have anything that you can't tour without? Oh, goodness. Um, uh, Besides the obvious guitars, yeah. bandmates, yeah. vitamins. Uh, oh, can't tour, can't tour without. God, I always <laughs> end up with too much. I, 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 <laughs> that's the thing. I mean, it's, it oh comes down to I, get, I, I, I try to keep it to a backpack. You know, okay. Um, Is there cool. something that shows up in the backpack tour after tour after tour? Yeah, well, it's just a pair of pants and a pair of socks. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> good. <laughs> Although, I'll, I'll be honest, when I have seen you in DC, you've never been topless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, sure, yeah. I've got a little superstitious stuff, but. What are some of those? Along the way. Well, a knife. Um, <laughs> yeah. You've definitely <laughs> been to DC. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. That's That's yeah, and, um, and and the little trinkets people give me on the on the, on the road, I, I you know I kind of collect them and I'll kind of hang them around the. It's kind of like good mojo. Oh, that's cool. Kind of idea. I just kind of hang the trinkets around the area and try it's not sage. to forget them. Oh, awesome. yeah, sage or once in a while. Try Do to, you guys ever bring like? Oh, you bring sage like? Um, we got really into like Palo Santo. It's really nice. Oh, yeah. Did you guys ever burn that shit? Those little oh. wooden stick things. Oh, wow. Yeah. Those yeah. are cool. That's like, that's kind of a help stress relief. That kind of, I try to, but that's just trying, remembering to do that and getting that ritual is, is, is kind of the idea. Oh, Thermacare yeah. heating pads. That's oh. The, those things are great. Yeah, the weird thing is, 
Pete has his little backpack. He never brings anything. I have the biggest suitcase ever. <laughs> I never fit into it. And I never, ever, except for the thermocare uh, heating things that I use for warming up, whatever one outfit I end up in, I never use any of it. But <laughs> still haven't figured out how to not bring all that crap that I around the world it's like the weirdest <laughs> man i was saying this the other day it's like the weirdest fucking balancing act between the, before you go you're like i'm gonna need this and then at least for me when i get there i'm like i'm just fucking lugging this shit around you know <laughs> i'll just buy shit when or like a shirt and then you're like no i don't want to spend money on it and then you fucking lose shit and then it's just like uh, man that'd be a cool solution instead of all this like virtual planning of like how to tour more even more efficiently. And we're pretty minimal, I think from Brian and I, but it's like, Brian's actually really good at it. He has like this small carry on suitcase, like everything fits into it. I'm the one that's like logging up, like the fucking suitcase <laughs> through the crazy spiral staircases in Paris and shit, like dr dreading being alive or whatever. <laughs> By the time you get to the fifth floor. Um, oh my God. But, yeah. you know. uh, okay. So uh, let's see. So I think, we needed a uh, some, uh, an answer for Jared about something that he can't tour without. Man, that's a good one. Um, Thank you. Every every time I want to like bring a different jacket, or I always stick with like the same one. It's weird. It's bizarre. It's like I yeah, I don't know. It's just something that I like the way it feels and fits that I've not been able to. I'm really picky with jackets for some reason. Um, and this one I've just had forever. It just. We've broken it in. Broken it in. Yeah. It's weird, man. It's just like a, I don't know. I don't know if it's like a superstitious thing or if it's just a. A comfort thing, maybe. Fuck, I don't know. But it's just, <laughs> I fucking like it. I love this jacket. I find myself wearing it. I mean, I try to wear other ones, but this is the one that I really like. I can understand that completely. You know? Yeah. I get that kind of. Let's see. Uh, Peter, Lee, do you guys have a, another question to ask? Or Yeah. It's not like a super uh, joyful like, <laughs> subject. But, um, this show's not about joy. Uh, okay. the, the email or the, that link to that article you sent me the other day, Jared. Um, yeah. With the the scandinavia youtube crazy and, oh yeah uh, the fucking uh like <laughs> mafia sorry I, I should not curse as much uh the, the the like mafia negotiating strategies they're using um, crazy yeah it's 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 really crazy it, like it's been kind of constantly bothering me since I <laughs> I read that article it's weird I, I I hadn't heard anything about it from from back at home in Denmark but um like I, I think I remember YouTube already being kind of on the low end as far as paying artists you know streaming services and how they pay out artists like mm -hmm. lower than Spotify and others oh, God. but with with what they're doing now or what they're trying to do, you know, we'll see how it pans out. And in, in uh, Scandinavia, do you think that's 
something that we're probably going to be seeing elsewhere. Is that like the direction that they're going to take to try to start with, with one smaller area and then kind of goes out to larger ones. Yeah. So what, do you, what, what was the article about exactly? Are you able to explain this in a simple way? My brain is a little... I don't know, but I, I yeah. Brian doing like, Brian's actually doing a better job hosting than I am right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was that your question, too? <laughs> I think there was something where, like, Google was targeting Denmark um, and, like, banning their music off of YouTube because of some kind of negotiation deal. Banning, as, banning Danish artists, you're saying? Yeah, Danish music. Yeah, they're... I think it was, what, it was Denmark, Sweden, uh, Norway, or Finland. They're consolidating their PROs. So, and then I guess it happened that while that's happening, the whatever agreement between Google, YouTube, and Coda, which is Danish version of ASCAP or something, it had expired. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to have them accept payment at a 70% rate or they would take all Danish music off of YouTube. Oh, wow. Mm. Yeah. Super. It's fucking crazy. And just, it, yeah. I mean, the mafia, did you say, you said mafia, right? I thought that was yeah. just a really good word. Like this kind of like negotiation tactic. So bullying in terms of, you know, to use it in like negotiation or leveraging over it just through their fallout. It's a strange market to target for that. Well, it just happened that their deal was up, and I guess it's a smaller market. Maybe it would go unnoticed or something. Yeah, maybe. But it, it, it seems like it's also sort of taking advantage of the situation that we're in right now where, you know, we're relying a lot more on, on streaming services to, well, both for, you know, recorded music and live music as well mm-hmm. but um i don't know i I've, like I, i've been thinking about it a lot and it, it it concerns me that that might be the direction that they're headed in general and they're trying to maybe i don't know i could be paranoid maybe they're trying to take advantage of the situation that they have more leverage because it's streaming platforms are needed but at the same time i can't like for the life of me really like, I feel super powerless as far as, like, I wouldn't even know where to start as far as what could be done for artists to sort of resolve to help ourselves to to push back on, on that in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, it's, in, it's really interesting. I was thinking about it, too, in, in relation to, um, <clears throat> like, the thing that just happened with Spotify kind of making this crazy-ass accusation that, like, artists should make more records faster. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Do yeah. you see that? I'll send that to you, too. I did. It's just fucking bizarre. I hadn't, like, I hadn't seen that. Yeah, like, get with the times, artists. You yeah. Know, like, yeah, crank them out. Basically, um, they, they were saying that if you want to make more money, make more <laughs> albums faster. Well, that just goes with the... <laughs> but we'll keep the percentage yeah. the same of what we pay you, which is, like, dog shit. So. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. A, percent, a percentage of a percentage. Yeah, percentage of a penny. And it's just weird, right? Because, like, for me, I have this, like, blessing and curse relationship. Say for Spotify, for example, like, it's... For, like, for me, it's a... Like, I, I, I love it as a resource. 
but I hate it as a, you know, means to an end because it's just such an unfair distribution of wealth and, yeah, you know, so linked with politics and so linked with this kind of like, you know, almost like this crazy music industry system where they just found a way to fuck people in the eighties and nineties. And now here's another situation of it now. But uh, I almost just wonder if the solution could be found within the system instead of just like completely, you know, uh, maybe like the revolution or the, you know, to revolt. So the system changes versus just breaking the system and dissolving it. You know, I wonder if there's a kind of, common ground way that maybe through different leadership or through a different system within Spotify where they can, you know, reach this common ground where the platform exists, but the, you know, the system in which it operates is more geared towards the source of where they get all their material, which is the artists. Yeah. It would, I would just think something like that would require like a great deal of collaboration between artists and label. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. That structure doesn't feel like it really exists properly. I got to say that I can't believe they, <laughs> they <clears throat> people should just write more music. Crank them out, man. Yeah, that was like, pretty much the response. Yeah. Give me a fucking break. I, I call, I don't know. That fits in with the model of what I like to think of as like, junk food music right. or like Ooh, I the like McDonald's that. music just keeps slamming it out. So Lee and I have asked some questions. So we've got Jared, Pete, and Brian. What do you, what do you guys have for your next question? Anybody, just throw it out there. What's it feel like not being an essential service? <laughs> <laughs> that is the best question of the night. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I can't answer that because for my actual day job they consider me essential so I have to drive 45 minutes to my job every day and in return I get a bag of Tootsie Rolls and I'm, wow. not, I'm not shitting you like, thank you for being essential here's a you know five Tootsie Rolls I like Tootsie Rolls you can't eat just five that's you, fucked up they should give you more <laughs> exactly my point I need an entire bag of Tootsie Rolls, not just five. Pete, I've been, I think ever since I wanted to be a musician, have felt like I've been a non-essential worker ever since I was like 16. <laughs> so I'm pretty used to it. Like I've been social distancing too since I was 16, so I feel like it <laughs> feels normal. Yeah, we talked about that for a second, right? I mean, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's a hard one to swallow. It's the truth, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it, it is what it is. Uh, I, I, True. You know, I'm not sure there's um, there's a way. There's no way around that. Yeah, no, but it ties, it ties into you know everybody looks at it a different looks at it a different way. Some yeah. people that's essential. Well, fans, I'll be honest, sure. fans of, of music, anybody who likes any band, and I mean, not just BRMC or the Vacant Lots, it's, we consider you guys essential for getting us through what we've got to do on a day-to-day basis. You know, whether it's your job or some personal issue that you're going through, the music that you guys create really touches us and helps us to get through our day-to-day lives. So, for us, you may not be recognized officially 
as essential, but it's essential to the fans to help us get through day-to-day garbage. It's cool of you to say, man. Well, unfortunately, I, we, we can't, you know, I, I can't officially maybe qualify that, you as essential and, and give you extra money. So. Yeah, maybe that's why they singled out Denmark, actually, in a way. Don't they? Because they support their, that, well, that's not, France does it as well, though. A bunch of countries over in Europe kind of support the arts in different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All yeah, Norway does. Because there's, uh, mm-hmm. there's Why would Denmark be singled out? You because can give all their of Europe, deal but, expired. Oh, it's just them. Um, like songwriter deal or something. So, oh, that'll happen with every timing. Yeah. That'll be every, every country is gonna, that's going to pop up. Well, yeah, that's what I'm worried about. It seems like the world, there's just so many aspects that need reform. But it's like, I remember, B, you were saying like the 90s, you've been pissed off since like, but there's just like so many systemic things that need reform from like just so many years of, you know, being almost like mismanaged or, you know, certain people, leadership roles being abused and power and corruption, hypocrisy. It's like the real change needs to happen, you know, across the board and not just like in little pocket areas. Or big pocket areas, but just you know, yeah. across the board, the whole voting the lesser of two evils is needs right. to go away. Yeah. Right. There, yeah. there needs to be that. that there needs to be uh, <laughs> no evil. <laughs> as yeah. far as get rid of, yeah. get rid of both of them. Get rid of it all. Yeah, really. Um, <laughs> Brian, you've been quiet for a while. What, what's going on? You got a question? Yeah, to man. Throw out to us. Um, I don't know. I guess just in a general sense, with having all this time on our hands, going into it, if you were to tell me back when things were in their normal flow that I had all this time on my hands, I would think I'd be so dialed in on just being productive artistically with working on music and working on things that I'm always meant to get around to and haven't had the time to. And there has been that to some extent, but it's also felt in kind of a counterintuitive way by having so much time and so little structure, it can make it difficult to do that as well. Um, to really focus in on something and how you guys have been able to deal with that. Man, it's, it's weird. Um, I, I have been like the further into all of this we've gotten, like, I, I feel like I've been having a harder and harder time like keeping up with the things that I'm supposed to do um like mm-hmm. and the days are just somehow they're flying by and then yeah. I'm in a weird way time is standing still um I don't know if like part of that is just because I'm starting to like spend a bit too much time in my own head um right with, <laughs> which uh <laughs> isn't always the most productive space to be and I don't know like you said it, it's it's really uh it takes a lot to keep like a, a proper structured routine going for this long with the amount of chaos that's going on all around us and and just being bombarded with so much stuff it's hard not to like react all the time and that's kind of where like the trap that I find myself in like over and over again I'm just reacting to a million different things that are 
going on throughout the day or throughout the week. And then I can't like stay on track and, and um, you know, actually focus on what I'm meant to focus on. And it, mm-hmm. it, it's a bit frustrating, but um, <laughs> if yeah. anybody has any advice or tips or tricks. I don't have advice. Yeah. I, have, I can relate though, for sure. Just the level of uncertainty, I think in the world and just what's happening now. And also just the little things that I used to maybe bitch about, like, uh, tr- like airports traveling. <laughs> I fucking love to be on an airplane of Paris or something right now. I would love being in an airport, you know, as much as I always hated it, but, and just like little things like going, I liked going to the grocery store and thinking about what I'm buying versus thinking about like, Oh fuck. Like, what do I do? Someone sneezes or like, am I six feet away from someone or like, you know, I just, it's like a whole level of adventure and paranoia or something. How much toilet paper am I allowed to buy today? I'm not used to. I hear that. Hey, Brian, Brian. Yes. Do you sing departure? Uh, yeah, I do. Right. Yeah. That's the song I was talking about. See, I knew we would figure it out. <laughs> 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 All right, so I, I kind of lost track. So who? I think it's Pete or I don't know. Oh. Who the hell's got a question? I, I've lost completely lost control of this show. Oh. <laughs> hey, that's what we wanted to happen. That's the result of BRMC and vacant lots that's, on your show. It's injecting a little chaos. <laughs> ordered chaos or disordered yeah. chaos. Ordered chaos. Well, I know. Yeah. I, I, okay, so so going back to what you were saying about things happening during this whole pandemic and, and, and losing structure and all, that happened to, to me in a weird podcasting sense because I still had to go to work every single day. But for oh. a little while my wife had to get tested for, for COVID. And once that happened, her job shut her down for like two weeks. And I had to notify my employer and they shut me down for two weeks. And then they went on this rotating shift. So I was out for three weeks in a row. And what I ended up doing was the exact opposite of what you guys are saying. I ended up contacting a shit ton of people and everybody had nothing to do so they're uh, all like, yeah, sure, I'll be on your podcast, no problem. And so my lead time ended up being going from like two to three weeks to like eight weeks because wow. everybody's like, yeah, I'll be on, no problem. And then I had, I was recording like three or four shows a week. And so I just, I'm like, crap, I only released one episode a week. So you guys are all going to have to wait. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. So. So that's my experience with. Yeah. All right, so I'm just gonna say who who who's got a question because I've got right. like three more. But here's another one for you, Pete. So even even though each record or making a record can have a different process or maybe some similarities, are there any like constants or recurring techniques or principles that 
that you find yourself employing producing BRMC records? Mm. Yeah, the the main constant is usually direct guitars. Yeah, that's been like direct most- direct in or yeah, cool. yeah, straight cool. through a board. Nice recording with no effects. Wow. That's the most. Even though we go in and play live to get drum takes, it usually that guitar ends up being the furthest one back in the mix. Wow. Yeah. If, yeah if that's that, interesting. Even in there. That, that's, that's pretty consistent since day one, I guess. Wow. What, like, drew, what drew you to that sound versus, you know, more of a, like, amps or affected? Um, I, well, it's the constant battle of not, of a microphone never really hearing what you hear. Right. You know? And yeah, that, fuck. that never translating through a speaker hearing what you hear. True. I I, I kind of gave up on that process. There's too many things in the way of the you know, the yeah, you got you got a microphone that's picking it up, you got a room that's you know, you try to stand in the place in the room where it sounds good to you. But then that microphone is somehow affecting it and the board that is coming through. And then you cram that down into a little NS10 or a KRK (laughs) or whatever. It just doesn't. I just kind of don't bother. Yeah. It's too frustrating. Too many puzzles. Yeah. How about you guys? You guys got constants you fall back on? Yeah, I think we have some. I think we have some. Um like as much as like we could try to strive for each record to to go further to at least i i find certain similarities like for me i've never found a better sound than plugging my guitar straight into a guitar amp and like whatever effect pedal or or even plugins or things to i've always just loved that sound and i think we've been experimenting more with just reamping things and using amps and running things through amps more and more than we've, we've done in the past to kind of just get it to try to get as much of the sound we want before someone else mixes it. I think one of the things that actually just the thing that remains constant is me and Brian really producing and being very involved. Yeah. In, in all the arrangements, is it the same way for, for you guys? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. To, to, the, to a fault, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I, like to, I like to think that we've been pretty open-minded with, you know, any producers we've worked with. Um, I've always, always tried to uh, be honest with ourselves as much as possible. It's like, okay, that's... this. You know, this person's got a thing, uh, maybe that'll translate to our thing. Right. We always try to keep an open mind with that. And at the same time, to me, it's always a challenge to be like, well, hey, can I, uh, can I beat that guy's mix? That's cool. And, and sometimes you maybe feel like you did, but it's kind of like, then you've got the, the whole, uh, Oh well, I'm not a professional, so maybe I should back off because he knows what he's doing. He gets paid lots of money for it, so right. 
you know, that there's always that part that goes into it. Yeah. Okay. Down to even mastering, right? You know, the, For whole, sure. the magic of that, you know, whatever the heck's going on there. I'm so <laughs> mesmerized by mastering more than like anything. I just, it's like the thing I knew like fuck all about when we started. And, and over time, I've just come to appreciate so much that last step of a record. And I, almost now I think, I don't know if it's true for you guys too, but I can hear, like, I can even hear when things are not mastered. Uh, oh, wow. Are you, can you, like, if, even if it's like a group of songs is usually easier than just one, but it's like, just fine. Yeah, yeah, I'm never sure. I guess I haven't, yeah, maybe I, I, I don't know if I could do that. Yeah, how, what's the give? What's the main give on that for you? Like, what, what's the tell? I think for the one of the first ones is just like you have your fucking like your, your volume cranked all the way up. <laughs> oh, it's still yeah. never like loud enough, and you're just like, what the fuck? Um, yeah. Yeah. Or just like I, I hear my like maybe certain like like sharp things are or kind of jabbing out at me that um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, on the high, like really high end stuff. But uh, what you were saying about um, kind of second guessing yourself against someone else mixing it who maybe is that's their title and that's what they do for a living and make all this money doing it. It's interesting. I just saw an article on uh, Rudy Van Gelder, the guy who was at, I think at Blue Note, he did like so many legendary jazz records. And if you go on, Spotify or whatever. Now, virtually any record you look up from like fifties and sixties for jazz records, it'll be the Rudy Van Gelder remaster. And he's an interesting character. I, I didn't really know anything about him, but he's kind of one of these poster children of that approach where he just was totally DIY. He had space in his house that ended up becoming its own studio, but really didn't have a great idea of what he was doing. And by all technical standpoints, the way that he mixed and especially the way that he mastered wasn't, it wasn't at all the way you ought to do it <laughs> in terms of like things just straight up distorting on certain records like trumpet or brass or instruments that are really high output. Uh, the way he would record it, it was to the point, not on the edge of clipping, like full on clipping. But the wow. is that even though it's not what you would do if you went to some school to do the traditional way of doing it, um, it ends up giving it so much more presence on the record and it's yeah. just the test of time from, from that perspective. So I love that shit, man. It reminds yeah. me of like, like <laughs> Joe, Joe Meek, like reading stories where that he would just like, you know, like abuse compressors and shit and use them in ways that weren't. I love, um, I'll never forget when, when we did our first record with Sonic Boom, he had said something to us like before we got into the studio where like, like people had told him, back in Spaceman 3 era that, you know, he'd always want to do things and the engineers would go, that's not how you're supposed to do it. And his first response would be like, well, will it break it? And they would pause. <laughs> and if they would say no, then he would say, then I can proceed. <laughs> you know? So I always just, even that, with it, you know. That, that's such a perfect response. So I've, we've, we've kept that kind of aesthetic going. Like, can we do this? And you're like, that's a fucking $3,500 Poltec, whatever. And you're just like, well, will it break in? They're like, no, probably not. They're like, we're like, okay, cool. Let's fucking try it. <laughs> <laughs> See what you can get away with. 
That's so important to keep that, man. It's so important to keep that. Right? There's, there's so much. And when you dig down into it, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys have ever gone into, gone into forums where you watch the kind of the, the classes and stuff on how to do this and that. You know, some guy is saying, you know, some some big name producer or mixer is doing a class on plugins or something. And every single one of them to a T, as soon as you get far enough into it, at the end of the day, towards the end of them, always they go, well, there's no right way. <laughs> <laughs> it's never at the beginning of the lesson. No, it's like, no. uh, always the admission, yeah, for sure. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, remember to do what you want. If it sounds good, it's pretty up to you, you know. Right. You know? <laughs> I've got to exactly. be ready for this uh, symposium. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> but it's great. I mean, it's so true and it's it's yeah. amazing. It's, that's the truth. That's the truth of it. And it, and just being able to get out of your own, you know, that's that's the hard part with any group. I would imagine when it, when it comes down, you know, I don't know if you guys have this, but some of the stuff comes down to personal taste right for sure oh yeah like, how do you address yeah. how do you address that it's like hey well i kind of i think this one's okay like this is like hey what do you guys do a, do you guys throw dice on it <laughs> we throw punches yeah yeah <laughs> you know verbal punches mostly <laughs> yeah. but yeah it always goes back to boxing man. i'm telling you it's <laughs> fucking real um i think a lot of what we like over the years are so much of you know, we have different tastes, but we there's so much common ground. Like, you know, being in like almost on the same in the same army or something, yeah. where we're also the generals too. And it's tough because you know you might have a different vision, like vision or perspective. But what's really interesting is I think we've gotten better at trying to enhance or strengthen the other person's weakness or like weaker idea, which. I think took a lot of years because, you know, there is a bunch of competition. Like we want who's going to write the next fucking whatever song, like, you know, or, but even then it's like, we both probably would say the best songs are the most like obscure songs that would never end up on the radio anyways to begin with. So we're like the worst fucking judges of what will be on the radio. But, um, yeah. Um, and I think that took a long time of just trying to like, you know, how to strengthen the weakness versus like argue to get your shit across. And like, I, even for me, it's like, I just, you know, half the time it's the stuff that I, I was more insecure about where Brian will be like, man, like that writing is great. And I'm like, really, you, you think so? Versus the things that are maybe Charles Bukowski, I read that too, where he was the shit that you were so confident about. You look back in time and like, what the fuck was I thinking versus the stuff you weren't sure about. And it becomes more of the like, we can really work this into something. And I like that. I like the not always throwing so much paint on the canvas where you leave a lot of space for your co-writer, the song, you know, for me and Brian to both work on it, I think it's really helped. Yeah. That's a great. That, that, I love the way that you just described that. That's a great approach. And probably not the easiest place to get to i don't know it's sorry my brain just uh trailed off <laughs> sort of like 
thinking about that and also uh, stuck in what you guys were talking about before with the balance of, uh, you know, the right way of doing something or like even just in musicianship, trying to balance like technical ability versus Mm -hmm. doing things your own way just and the way that you play or especially with I don't know maybe I'm a drummer so I notice it more but like it's uh it's rare that I notice drummers where they have like that a particular characteristic to the to their playing that's noticeable mm-hmm. right off the bat where it's not just all technique and chops yeah um, for sure and i'm definitely lacking on the side of, of chops and technical ability <laughs> but, um, but uh, yeah i don't know uh, that's like a constant back and forth for me like figuring out how to how to where the right balance is Okay. For sure. All right. So I'm going to throw a, a question out just because, what the hell? <laughs> what, what is the best investment you guys have made regarding your music? Is there a piece of gear? I don't, even, even going back to music lessons, maybe maybe doing a podcast, you know, something like that. What, what is the, the best investment you guys have, have made for your musical careers? Wow. Mm. Mm, I got everybody thinking. I was thinking that fucking gun he bought to (laughs) bring into the studio. That's really how we... The bottle of uh, Buffalo Trace. White dog. Yeah. Yeah. Did you say the the gun you brought to get your way? (laughs) That's it, yeah. It's the fucking forty-five that Brian bought. (laughs) Well, he really talks a lot, so this might sort some issues out. (laughs) It's going to be in three, four, motherfucker. No, I can't play to that. Not that thing. It's called the influencer. Yeah. Um, Damn. Sticky one. See, I don't think that would be a, a difficult one. That's a hard fucking question because yeah. it's like you have to really pinpoint that. And it will—it doesn't have to be, you know, the thing that that made you want to become a musician. But is there something that maybe best investment is a little too strong? Is, is there something that that you always turn to that that uh, you know maybe a piece of equipment, a guitar uh, in Pete's case, or, or a drum? machine in, in brian's case you know something something that goes along with, with the uh the electronic side of the music is there something that, oh, that man. really helps you out in, you know maybe inspires you whenever you're really looking for inspiration or you're stuck well since you put it that way um i think the silver tone amp i have it's a it's a two twin uh, okay. or 1484 I've had it forever. I fucking love it. I just remember always there always being a disconnect, like when I was playing guitar to um, from what I was hearing and then playing it back and never really liking it all that much. Okay. Until I started playing through this amp, the way you could really overdrive it and get this great tremolo sound. It it I, it, it was yeah. the first time I really got a feeling from playing guitar that I never got before, and that I think I still chase. Oh, cool. And that I could never replace with pedals. And uh, yeah, so I think for me that, and I don't even think, I was like a few hundred bucks or something. It was just, 
Facts. See, that's right. awesome. Got I love it. that. You know, it wasn't a yeah. huge investment, but it really shaped what you do. Yeah, for, for all time, for sure. Anybody else have anything like that? Mm. And if, yeah, if not, not, we can move on. Not, not a, a, like, a, I guess, an investment in the traditional sense, but just um, when I first was playing in bands in New York, like I mentioned before, I was uh, mostly playing to stuff that had, like, uh, you know, backing tracks and program beats that I was playing along to. Um, that experience, and then when I first started with BRMC, uh, spending time with uh, Rob's dad, Michael, yeah, and the way he kind of the boot camp that he put me through, and he kind of got me to uh, well, he yanked me out of the rigidness that I was sort of locked into, and I was also very. Well, I still am to be very heady about things, but that probably, yeah, talking to him about drums and talking to him about music combined with the background of having played with a lot of electronic stuff, that yeah. probably shaped my playing and the way I approach drums the most. Okay. I'm gonna th I'm gonna open to anybody else, or we can move on to another question. <laughs> I kind of I feel like I like I almost put you guys on the spot with that one. <laughs> uh, no, was, I like that one. That was I got, yeah, it was a cool one. I got one unless you got one, Brian. Um, I was honestly going to say the Nord drum I mentioned earlier was kind of the the breaking point, not the breaking point, but the point where I started to pivot from doing just the sit-down drums to incorporating more electronics. That was the first piece of gear I picked up somewhere locally cool. in Burlington, Vermont, off Craigslist or something, and just played around with it, and that was the first step down the rabbit hole. All right, Pete, you're up. Oh, I would, I would say the, the investment-wise, it would it's more of a the gamble was uh, get, uh, letting, letting myself get fired from every other job that, <laughs> that they would fire me. Nice. Um, That's a great answer. Do a gig. They'd say, well, either you don't come in or you do your gig. And so I'd go do a gig and get fired. <laughs> That's <laughs> a great answer. That's cool. Oh, man. <laughs> All yeah. right. So, so I've asked a bunch of questions. So who else, who's got uh, their question? I don't even know where. Three, four? I, I, I don't care. I got, I got one for Brian. There. Yeah. So how do you dig through all this Synth sounds and things. Like, well, what do you th what do you think about like all these plugins and and instruments? Uh, you know, instrument tracks you can do. Um, and how would you rate that as far as uh, wasting time <laughs> to get what you want to get at? Um, I think it's a blessing and a curse in terms of how many of these things exist and with the emulations of things that already exist in the real world versus new inventions and how cheap and accessible all of it is. I would say kind of in the same way it works with hardware, with pedals or with synths or anything else. It's really more advantageous to pick a few and get to the point of exhausting everything that it can do and decide whether 
it's something that's, that works for your sound or works for your creative process or not, rather than trying to dip your toes into a thousand different things. Uh, it's very tempting. And I, I, I'm on, honestly constantly doing that with like delays or with filters or things where you could, it never feels like you have enough, but it can be a huge time waster because you're just every single one you're using, you hardly know how to use. So you always get the machine. I'm not going to do this for you. If you don't know what this knob does, like, I can't fucking help. So, <laughs> <laughs> I think you're better off just picking one or two, really figuring it out. And then if you decide it's not for you, right. try something else out. But again, by that same token, there's a, there's a lot of amazing gear out there that can do a lot. So. All right, so Leah and Brian, you guys haven't asked a question in a while. I think. <laughs> I've kind of lost track. <laughs> Brian, do you have a question? Or I, I, like I said, I've got a couple more I can throw out, um, but it's kind what of a you, free-for-all at this point. What do you You got a good one? Me um, or Leah? Yes, or either of you, I guess. I, I can't think of a good one off the top of my head got a topic not necessarily a, i don't know if I, it's a question maybe i can get to a question <laughs> it was i forget what we we're talking about but it was something i started thinking about earlier in the conversation uh instrumental music i think it was when jerry you were talking about writing this record lyrics for this record do you, do you guys ever find that instrumental music can be louder in a in its own way or in a way without vote like just without lyrics and vocals if you just um, left it not necessarily without vocals but i guess without words for me i always just think it's lazy if i can't come up with words to songs <laughs> you know like i get I just find, like I just find that part of my brain just looking at myself and just shaking its head like you're just fucking lazy. <laughs> like a voice. Although sometimes like the first time we had something that we that we constructed totally instrumentally, neither one of us had vocals. I think we even had like a, a strange title for it that we were ready to let go was when we were going to work with Alan Vega on the last song of her second album, which became Suicide Note as an homage to, to Alan. We had wrote, we wrote the song, um, arranged it, mixed it, and left it totally blank for, um, because he was going to collaborate and do vocals, lyrics, um, and record it. But then he, like three weeks before we were going to go into the studio, I went over to his apartment and played him the song. And, uh, he was starting to like generate some ideas. And then like a few weeks later he had died and we had what made it really special for us. You know, we had gotten really close to him before he died, but, um, you know, we got to go into the vault. He had given his wife permission, like when he was in the hospital to kind of like complete the song, like he kept saying, like, are they waiting for me? Which just like fucking haunted me. Even now I just like get chills, you know? Um, and so it was really hard, but we went into the vault and there are a couple unreleased vocal tracks that we just like, just through, like just threw into the song and in like a really fucked up way. I mean, we had to move a couple things, 
yeah. like the chorus of one song hit when the chorus of our song was playing in the verses from the other song that he had hit during the verses of our song. I mean, most of our oh, chord- wow. songs are just like two chords anyways, but it was like freaky and it just felt like, you know, this kind of magic where things came together. But that was like really the only time where we were okay with just something being totally instrumental. But it's, it's interesting because there's so much in life or movies, like a scene in a movie where there are no words. And it's really the music that carries the scene and less to do with the words, but it's like almost the words are replacing, like the visual is replacing the words. So I, what do you guys think? For me, I don't know if I could do it. I don't know if I could just leave it, like, leave something instrumental. How do you guys feel about that? Yeah, per- personally, I don't know. In terms of music that I listen to, obviously, with some electronic and dance music, it's it's able to, depending on the producer, it can stay, it can still feel compelling through, like, a five or six minute track with, obviously, no vocal involved. Um, but personally, I think, I don't know. Yeah, I I'm, I kind of have in, uh, am in the same mind in terms of it almost feels lazy, which isn't maybe the right approach because it doesn't <laughs> compelling music without vocals. But yeah, in terms of the music we produce, I just always it's hard to not feel like that aspect of it is vacant, waiting to be filled rather than just an intended absence on the song. Yeah, for pop music in general, it's like. Well, yeah, I suppose uh, uh, pop music maybe doesn't lend itself very well to it. I think it's thing I've always been drawn to. I think it's hard to uh, it's hard to achieve, but when it's done well, it's I, I find that it can be really powerful. And it, right now, it, it's something that I don't know. I think maybe part of it, like we do a lot of just jamming rehearsal studio ends up being like the hour long instrumental things. Uh, mm-hmm. I like playing that, but um, just as far as right now, more so than usual, there's just such overload of just constant noise and jabbering. Yeah, totally. Sometimes I, 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 uh, I kind of, do you ever, do you ever have a, a problem finding the emotion to fit the music. You know what I mean? If it comes out, if the music's going and then you're like, and then you start jabbering, you, you never run into that wall of God, I, I just got to keep my mouth shut. I'm getting in the way. Like it's like the expression of language gets in the way of the expression of music. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Lots of times for sure. Yeah. How do you push through that one? Um, it usually, because honestly, I find myself in that situation more often than not. Because in the writing process, I tend to, or if I'm just working at home, just riffing on something, I almost always start with the instrumental. So it, it, it's really that situation every time. Sometimes it just works where it'll be some stream of consciousness on the vocals to some extent. I'm able to just flow it all out and then pare it down. But sometimes it is just hitting a wall and... Honestly, what I find is I'll table maybe a full instrumental track and work on something else and maybe find lyrics for that that don't quite fit and pull up some other track that I have and do this kind of mix and match. And things will happen in different time frames and then I join them together after the fact is normally how it works if I'm not able to just put it together right on the spot. But I like to try and get as much done all in one 
session as I can. I, I work better that way. I think just starting from scratch and just trying to build up as much as I can. See, that's so interesting to me. Cause I come at it from like, I'll have the words written before any music. Like I have all this shit in a notebook. I think just because I've been writing longer than making music. So I have more of that material to work with. And then somehow it's sort of like my subconscious, I feel like leads me through these clues of, 80% of whatever was in those notebooks is fucking gone forever is either just total shit or just doesn't, but it's almost like the other clues pop out and kind of get pieced together like a game of Tetris or something, <laughs> you know? And then like the melodies or something of the chord progressions, there's like, Oh wow. Like I know where that fucking line is. It's very weird. I don't know. I love, there's only been a few songs. You're better at this than I am, Brian, but like there's only been a few songs where I was able to just be like, I think like night nurse was like, I listened to the instrumentals. Like, yeah, here it is. Like that's, yeah, I just came up on the spot and, of the stuff I had fine like yeah normally it's like I'm a getting, parallel if I'm getting a demo from Jared for the first time <laughs> the title of the Jared uh, the title of the demo and then version like 26 if <laughs> <laughs> I tell him to change something I can imagine how long this took to make <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm like really obsessively strange working on stuff but it's a, it's such a good question Pete like I, I don't I mean I almost instantly want to say it's the struggle to keep, to keep fighting through, to eventually get to that, like to that, the, the end of it, you know, you're diving so deep and you have to come up for air and then go back down again. But it's just like the, the, the desire to finish something drives me the most. Like I, again, going back to the laziness, like leaving something incomplete is like living, you know, leaving a life like that, you've left so much unsaid. I just couldn't, I don't want to have that regret, but I want to flip it. I almost want to ask you, like, how do you conclude or, or reconcile with, with that? Yes. Uh, well, I come, I come at it. I guess I come at it two ways. One, one is if I feel like I'm, if I feel like I'm pushing too hard, especially if it's, it's especially when it starts getting locked into this verse is, uh, Eight, you know, 16 bars long and I, I'm supposed to fill it. Right. That's like, that's a super silly trap. It's like, well, why don't you make it eight bars? Right. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, well, I don't have words for eight bars. Well, okay, we'll make it four bars and you have words right. for that. It's like, okay, instead of, you know, it's like, it's falling, you know, getting myself in and out of those traps. Whereas yeah. like, and then it also gets a little complicated because then you think you're being clever and then at the same time you're supposed to play it again and and then remember it you know that's a nightmare right but it it goes back and forth you know i guess it's instead of looking at it as a lazy thing i guess i i guess i come at it from uh 
I come at it from a place of uh, it's uh, what's the word? The, uh, I guess I, it's more of a personal thing where that one's just you know that that noise is kind of for me then, and I'd rather not talk over it. I guess right. Okay. I guess I look at it that way, and may, maybe somebody else would enjoy it, but um, I guess I come I come at it that way. This happens to me a lot. I'm wondering if it happens to you guys too, where even when I get stuck, I know taking space away from something you're working on is fairly healthy. Uh, I find myself like I can't do that until I get it to a song, to a place where I'm okay with stepping away from it because I don't want to lose this kind of like magic thing that happens where I don't know where it comes from, but a lot of the ideas seem to just come more naturally uh, and cohesively together where you start working on something. And even if you're not finishing it that day, there's like a zone you enter where over the next few days, as long as you kind of even work on it a little bit or think on it a little bit, things start to kind of come together and almost like magnetically are drawn into it and it helps finish yeah. At least the first process of the first stage of the song. I've had my brain and like, I have a bit of insomnia. So sometimes I just sort of half sleep, but I have half slept during the night and actively my brain is tweaking drum parts or <laughs> transitions or cool. it, it's sort of maddening. I get it's a little bit different than what you're talking about, but my own uh, weird way of doing that. I love that though. Like just, you know, just all, it all revolves around like the ideas, you know, and how, how and where they come and when they come. Yeah. There seems to be kind of a sweet spot of not, of, I don't know if you guys, uh, me and Rob would always argue about this. I don't know if you guys ever get this thing, but Rob would always be, uh, very quick on the record button mm -hmm. as far as get, catching a jam. Mm -hmm. And I would always be coming from a place of, well, if that, if we happen to remember that, then that, then, okay, then, then cool. If we, if we forget it, that's kind of the, <laughs> it wasn't my, worth remembering. Well, no, 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 no. This is more hippie than that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that one. There's like for, that one's back to the gods or whatever. It's like that. Right <laughs> <for them. laughs> that's, to, really, to that's whoever, really cool. That's back to wherever it came from. You know, <laughs> it's like paying respects to the music. Okay, whoever it is. Interesting. But that becomes really tricky when you. Remember, but then you want to remember something. When, or yeah. You, right, but you don't remember the tuning because you did some weird ass tuning with a yeah. <laughs> That's its own nightmare. That's a fucking nightmare <laughs> trying to figure shit out, too. Playing, playing CSI on like a five year old demo trying to figure out how to do it. Seriously, man. There's, I fucking, I swear, I've done all, like, there's some things I've tried to figure out. 
gotten fucked up and tried doing it, okay. doing it straight. And it's like, what the fuck? And then sometimes it's like, oh, it's just standard tuning doing this. But I thought it was something crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just my fucked up brain, but... Well, I know that when I do podcasts, if I do an instrumental one, it's generally regarded as a failure. <laughs> yeah. In your line of work, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> you won't last much longer. No, I'm not going to get to 150 episodes if I keep doing well, instrumental podcasts. That's for sure. Yeah. What's that, what's that movie that had that in there where the guy was, it was just silence. What was that? <laughs> oh. The big hit, not Pootie Tang. Was that that? Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't think Pootie Tang was a silent movie, but what? Well, not a silent movie, but they had this hit song that over the. It, that was the name of the guy <laughs> in the movie, or something, and it was just silence. I mean, there was Do a composer that, movie? that like, uh, a, a real composer. No, it was in a movie. I don't know. It's like a spoof. Right? It was like a parody thing. Or is it no, and I, well, it was just fun. It was a funny. It was a comedy movie. But as, that's funny. I remember the guy had a. He used his belt as like this. Oh, that's magic sick. whip or something. I think I think you might be right. Yeah, that's Louis, crazy. I think Louis C.K. wrote that or I, something. I wow, think really? Right. That's crazy. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. But there was a silent song in that too, I think, <laughs> that everybody was, was jamming out to. And they, that, yeah. Anyway, oh, we have to God. look it up. Louis C.K. wrote it and he also directed it. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Sorry. 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 No, no, that's, that's what no, I love cool. about this. Yeah. <laughs> I finally just started thinking like, like even like ambient rap, like music and ambient. Oh yeah. ambient music you know um, or as I like to call it ambient music no tea Um, but uh, you know sometimes that helps I think even when things are really chaotic like just having common or like like jazz you know I think has this very like way of which is I guess it's like sort of ironic because it could seem frenetic to people I've heard that about people that don't like jazz because it seems so frenzy but for me it's like really calming you know there's no vocals no words and it's just you know instruments and instrumental and what are you guys listening to a lot right now during these times wow all right, I'm going to let Lee and Pete answer this one first. No, no, you answer that first. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, honestly, I'm listening to what, whatever people are sending me for, for people coming on the show. So, uh, Like you get requests for, from other people to be on your show? To, believe it or oh. not, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I get a lot of promo material. Um, I've been listening to... Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I've been listening to a lot of Blinker the Star. Um Let's see. Uh, there's just if you guys like older sounding like stuff like blues psychedelic stuff from the mid to late '60s. It's a guy named Ethan Daniel Davidson. He does um, kind of psychedelic folk stuff, and his story is amazing. His dad used to own the Detroit Pistons. Really? What yeah. year? Um, seventy, like like seventies through the eighties, maybe nineties, and then and then his dad moved down, uh, and and then started working with the uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning hockey team, and um, he wanted him to do to work with them, and he's like, no, I'm going to go do my music, and he moved to Alaska, 
And he became like a lumberjack and started playing this acoustic show that these local little watering holes in Alaska. Wow. And he went on a six year world tour. I mean, he just like got in a van and just drove across the US and then just hitched, just went to Europe. He, so he toured literally straight for six years. Wow. And he's, yeah. And he's got a new album coming out uh, called Come Down Lonesome. And I'm promoing my, my, my episode in, in my own podcast. This is ridiculous. But his music is really good because it's got this old 60s psychedelic, uh, folky quality to it. And he even does some old covers from that era, like Dylan's uh, song, I, Dream, I, I Dreamed I Saw St. Augustine. Oh yeah, that that's the John Wesley Harding record. That's yeah. my favorite. That's my favorite Dylan record. Oh man, I uh, all on the Watchtower is on it. That's like the Hendrix cover. The way cool. he does it is so cool. It's like a lot of feedback and 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 uh, noise, and it's just it's really cool. So so I've been listening to to that a lot. Um, like I said, Blink of the Star, Jordan Zadarazi. He's put out a bunch of stuff during the quarantine. So and then swans because during this whole quarantine i've been getting so many people on that are, that are tangentially related to the band swans so i just interesting been listening to that cool so what have you guys been listening to um i was on a bit of uh ginsburg bender for a bit and jack kerouac uh, I forget what the recording is called. It's uh, him with ja- a jazz band. But the God, what was the, the one Ginsburg song that I kept listening to on repeat for like weeks. Uh, um, wait, I have to pull it up now. That, and then somehow I ended back uh, on to Lee Hazelwood this just past week. Oh, wow. Nice. That's um, awesome. Hang on. I gotta... I've right. just been listening to podcasts. That's all I've been doing. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I'll make well, a recommendation or two on that. Podcasts. <laughs> There's a really cool one I've been listening to called Performance Anxiety. <laughs> so, but one thing I, I did... I have been listening to a lot. I don't know if you guys heard, have heard it yet, but it's the, it's the new Hum album. That's amazing. Oh, yeah? Yeah. No. In the, write that down. Yeah, it, they, they right. released it about a month ago, and it's just incredible. Cool. Brian, what, what about you and Jared? What have you guys been listening to? I'm honestly kind of in the same boat. I haven't been listening to a ton of music. I've been working <laughs> on just, like, building. I have bought all these broken synths and been trying to slowly <laughs> put them back together, which is... <laughs> <laughs> I have seen that's been you guys have been posting that on Instagram. Yeah, that's, that. that's just, all Brian shit, man. That's how he spends his days. Oh my God, I don't know. Rebuild synthesizers. <laughs> I'll do lifestyle shows, man. I don't know what I did wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, the the twenty six hundred, which are made in the seventies, which is this behemoth, big square box. They did all the Star Wars sounds on it. Oh wow famous example but tons of bands used it and it had the, this cool ability to you could patch it around the way euro rack and some of these newer things where you see these crazy boxes where people have all these cables yeah. it has that capability but it also has the capability to make sound without having to ever get involved with the cable so it's a good middle ground and has a built-in spring reverb it's this huge thing so i bought a bunch of 
uh, circuit boards for it and, and got all the parts and have just been selling those. So those are finally getting out the door now. And now I can get back to business with all the, the synth hospital of all the bad <laughs> broken things. Um, but anyway, <laughs> we're so gonna, lots of white noise. You're basically uh, listening to here. Oh. I dream in white noise. <laughs> <laughs> Lee, um, did you find that last thing you were looking for? Yeah. So yeah, I have such bad, I'm so bad at remembering song titles. It's ridiculous, but uh, I just found it. It's so it's called uh, Ballad of the Skeletons. It's uh, Ginsburg, Lenny Kay, Philip Glass, and Paul McCartney. Oh, wow. Um, oh, I was cool. listening to that on repeat all day, every day for... I think you sent that to me. It's, it was really good. Yeah, it's I remember really, that. It, it makes me laugh. Um, that is <laughs> awesome. <laughs> cool. I All right, like guys, that. we're coming up on th- almost three hours here, so I'm going to ask. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. So I want to ask no, one last no question. No wonder Poof is looking so grumpy. Poof has to pee again. <laughs> All right, so I've got one last question to throw out to you guys, and you can answer it however you want because this is the kind of stuff that I find really interesting because my wife and I were talking about this last weekend. And if we could do like a private show at our house, there's three bands that I would want. I would want Vacant Lots because you guys are like, thanks to Leah, you guys are like my favorite find of the year. Wow, thanks, man. Oh, thanks, man. Opening up cool. for uh, either Black Rebel Motorcycle Club or The Verve. I could switch either second or third. Whoever wants to go second and, and, and third. That's, uh, BRMC. That would be my favorite, my... my my lineup right now, it would in any in any series, it would be Vacant Lots, BRMC, and The Verve. If you guys oh, could cool. uh, set a private show, two, three artists, who would you be looking f- to to perform? Like Dead or Alive, or just um, let's go with actually, let's go feasible. <laughs> something, something, something you guys <laughs> alive. Okay. <laughs> uh, hmm. uh, I'd want I'd want to see Young Z play again. Who is that? Three. It has to be three. But two yeah. or three. Two. It can be. We can go three. We can go two. Oh. If you well, she said Yonzi. Yon. Oh, that okay. Was, we saw them twice, but yeah, both uh, days, uh, ages ago. Uh, Summer Sonic in Japan. I hadn't heard their record or anything when we were we were playing on the same days and. That show was just so good. Like every single detail from I mean, the songs, the mus- musicians, the sounds, the visual, just everything was so well done. Uh-huh. Um, it was really incredible. And now I'm blanking out. Okay, so they could just do an extended <laughs> set. <laughs> they, they do a three-hour set. That's 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 plenty. All right. So- yeah. I'd like to just lay around in the in, in some grass while that's going on. <laughs> I will. <laughs> I could have it. Oh, cool. I'll accept that answer. Right, so I, Pete, nice. Pete, what, who? What about you? Who? Who'd you get? Two, three artist bills, something like that. Who would you want? Oh, you're gonna want to do me last. I don't remember. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll we'll revisit Pete. Uh, all right. So Jared, who are you thinking? Man, I would love to have like Iggy Pop play my fucking. Oh, wow. <laughs> wouldn't that be fun? Like trapped in the apartment. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. In the apartment. Yeah, maybe 
but he would be he would probably be the headliner i guess um soft moon would be really cool oh, to open the show do you know soft moon no i'm not familiar with them they're great so they would go and then uh man i don't know those would be like my two all right that's that's yeah. plenty all right brian who, who do you have um i think i'd have uh the space lady open up i don't know if you guys know her <laughs> <laughs> this boston uh, street performer i just saw her in, in uh portland like before everything locked down and pretty wild she's fucking sick she's just she's got this viking headset <laughs> or viking like hat with like yeah, google that shit up to it. <laughs> wait what what's it, it called it's so good she's just called the space lady and she does cover she does like riders on the storm and oh, like wow. a couple originals but it's incredible it's just her on a casio with like the you know casio preset drum machine and a vocal, but she does live control of the, she has like a delay pedal on stage for the vocal and is able to like play the keyboard part and ride the delay. It's just like a guitar stomp box delay, but she's able to do it in this really fluid, amazing way. And wow. I think especially at a home show, it would just be incredible. That'd oh, be really cool. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, does she have an opening act or is she the... She's the opening act. She, she, would, she would open it up. I think... Uh, I don't know. Maybe Boy Harsher. That'd be cool to have for a home show. I've seen yeah, that'd be really cool. That. Yeah. They're great. Really fucking cool band. That's awesome. All right. So, so you've had a couple of minutes to think about it. Uh, <laughs> Wardruna is one. I am uh, not familiar with it. Did you watch that oh. show Vikings from the History Channel? Yes. No. No. Mark did. Oh. Dude, that's <laughs> perfect time to do that now. There's, yeah, I'll check it out. Um, the music from there is, well, I love it. I'm obsessed with it. The guy, the the main guy, or one of the main guys, he he's from Norway. Of course, used to be a death metal drummer. <laughs> he's got the craziest voice ever like just the most insane singer and he plays all these like ancient how do you pronounce it in english the quality pula lutes i guess like these old 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 like viking english lutes um and he type of thing but he's like studied all of it like the instruments and the like the voicings from the from that time um <laughs> wow and the like everything is based on on the on rune, the rune uh language <laughs> or uh language i don't know if you can call that whatever the word the right word is you know what i mean that's cool <laughs> damn it's like a whole series yeah well, they have his, he's got his band that he tours with, uh, right? They just happen to do the music for the show. Yeah. Um, I guess the band is, I think he's, I don't know if they still go under war. Yeah, they were, really? they, wow. to post, they were supposed to have toured in the U.S. like uh, in a few months and they just had to push back the tour. Oh, shit. But I, I, I would love to see them live. I think that would be that's cool. Oh, I'll text the name right now. War, yes, War I, yeah, that, I'd, I'd like to see them live, and I would, and I'd like to see. Uh, I don't know, probably some uh, 
some Tibetan throat singing. Ooh, oh, nice. yeah. I'd like to see that live. Now, do, you, do you go the, cool. the, the traditional singing or do you do it where, where they, it's a metal act? Because I've heard a couple of metal acts like The Who and Tanger Cavalry where they do the Tibetan throat singing with, and they incorporate it into some pretty extreme metal music. <laughs> uh, I, I think I've seen some of that. I've, it's I've, not quite. We tried to figure out. <laughs> 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 if you've gone, have you gone down that rabbit hole of uh, Tibetan throat say like how it's done? I have get, actually. Believe it or not. Yeah, it's right. Crazy. That's really interesting. There's, I saw one where where these, uh, and maybe it was Inuit, an Inuit version where these two sisters do some weird crap with each other's throats. It's just, it's it's like they sing into each other's mouths or something. I'm trying to remember what it was. Wow. It's just always oh, crazy. Yeah, it's just really insane. Damn. But you know who actually does that? It's it's kind of weird. Alexander Haka from Einstrasende Neubauten. Really? He does that throat singing stuff on a bunch of stuff that they've just oh, released. Shit. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. Wow. I'm still trying to teach myself that through this. That's my next plan. Amazing. That, we used to use a sample of it live, right, Brian? Didn't you have something? Yeah, yeah we did. Actually, before I don't even want to imitate it because I would butcher it, but <laughs> yeah. I think it was before, I think it used to be before departure. We used to have like a little interview thing. It's that's such that's a mesmerizing right. sound. Well, Pete, did, did you do something? Pete, did you do something like that on DFF? Oh, well, no, that can't, that's that's a bullshit <laughs> it was a, an early version. That, that was, that was a, <laughs> the dumbass version of that. That was all. I I made you that. Uh, yeah, there's that that medit. That, yeah, as far as the meditation of that, is, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well guys yeah. we we have uh eclipsed the three hour mark at this point so yay yay all right longest podcast ever we did it <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, now pete and lee are at the exact time in which we started oh my gosh it's like, oh, oh, wow. i'm yes. the first podcast to time travel all right that's excellent but guys i want to thank you all so much this has been i don't think we got through five questions from anybody but no yeah maybe not we got you know we've had no one to talk to for a long time (laughs) (laughs) we had no structure it was structure well you know the the white dog weeded mash didn't help with that i'll be honest with you (laughs) i kind of lost control like 27 seconds into the podcast (laughs) (laughs) So my last question to you guys before we break off is kind of for myself. If you guys wanted to hear a podcast with any guests, who would you want me to have on this show? 
Mm. Oh, you know what? I would, I think it would be really cool and definitely very different if you had Ina Selvig from that uh, band Vodruna on your show because his knowledge of instruments and what do you call it? Ethnomusicology he is just uh, man he is amazing and so talented and yeah I will reach out that's cool I got got one for you you should get Danny McBride on your show. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love that dude. I will um, try. I've got one or two LA connections. I can try. We'll see if I can, if I can pull that one off. Yeah. That man. I, oh. he's funny as shit. Kurt, of course, where we sort of, uh, our friend that built that chair. Um, oh, the vibrating chair. Yeah, yeah, for the yeah, for the for the death, yeah. 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 Throw out throw out some contact info. I'll I'll get on that. No problem. He, he's really interesting and uh very talented. I uh, yeah, if you guys help me hook that one up, I would be more than happy to do that. I think I actually I I've been meaning to do that. I had mentioned before and then I, I spaced out, I spaced out a lot. It's, it's been a weird time it's been a weird few yeah. months <laughs> so Pete, Pete and Brian you guys have anybody that, that you'd like to, to see on this show uh, I think John Mouse would be pretty entertaining I don't know if you've seen interviews with him at all but no he's got you, do you know his music at all no I don't think so he was, I think initially he played keyboards in Aerial Pink or something, but now he's got his own, he's been doing his own thing for 10 years or so. And oh, cool. it's pretty cool. It's like, a, it's pretty much all electronic, very like bedroom recording sound. Oh, awesome. it, it's very, it's worth checking out. The last couple of releases, couldn't give you an album name, but whatever's on Spotify, the last couple of records are pretty cool. Okay. But I think he has PhD in philosophy or something. And all of his interviews, he's just rapid, like doesn't even leave time for, you could probably want to pick one really good question and then just let him go for an hour. Like every interview, everyone's like, man, this guy must have like a poke problem or whatever, but I guess that's just who he is. Excellent. He's just naturally like high octane and just keeps going. So I'm, I think that'd be pretty entertaining. I'm already intimidated, so that'll work out perfectly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right. Pete, what about you? Anybody oh. anybody in particular you'd like to see on this show? Well, I, I, would, I would like to just a closing uh, a goodbye would just uh, I don't want to speak for everybody, but I'd like to say uh, hopefully everybody remembers to vote and stay engaged and take care of each other's communities. That's all I'd like to close it's with, you know. That's not a, a future yeah. guest, but I'll take it. Yeah, I know. So, <laughs> but yeah, let's, 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 let's say that. I agree. That's cool. And it's I an agree. honor to talk to you guys. And I'm glad we all have the time to you. Today. Thank you guys for doing this. Thank you for putting it together. Oh, man. Well, yeah, thanks, guys. I want to thank Jared for the idea. Uh, it's, it was a really great idea to just kind of throw out some questions and, and that we've always wanted to ask each of you guys. I've always wanted to, to mm-hmm. ask each of you guys. So thank you, Jared. And, totally. And uh, I'm more than happy to, to do it again whenever you guys want. Yeah, we're done. Hey, Poof! Hey, Poof! Hi, Poof! Poof!